Just a few film nerds breaking out of a rut Drooling over cinema that's hard and uncut Stick us in your ear, thrill to this month's picks And come and listen in, we're Measuring Flicks Hello everyone, welcome to Measuring Flicks, I'm Carl Hartley And I'm Max Peterson, and we are joined in the studio today. So we're finally doing um, our July episodes. So now. Welcome to July, everyone. Now that it's November, happy July seventh in November. It's kind of <laughs> like Christmas in July, but but not quite yet. Not quite, and way late. Yes, like this, this four, is my birthday month. Yeah, yeah. So Carl, tell Three us what was the original plan for your birthday month. So the original plan for my birthday month was to have my sister Sarah on for four movies. And we're going to do two of them now. And if Sarah was to join us in studio, she would probably sound something like... Hi. Like that? A little bit like that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, um, oh, oh my God. Welcome to, the, Hi. welcome to the studio's special guest, Sarah Hartley. She's only been in the house for like two and a half hours. Uh, what? When did... I know. Say, is that Pinot Blanc that I had earlier? It is. Man. Well, and the, the movie that we watch is a little distracting because how do you concentrate on anything else I honestly, I probably didn't take my eyes off the screen for the full one hour and 35 minute runtime or whatever it was. So, it's a very important moment for me today so mm. we've as a podcaster and friend of yours. Because I, you have introduced me finally to yes. a film that I should have seen when I was eight years as old. As excited as I was for Terry Gilliam month sure. three years ago mm-hmm. to show you Brazil and some of those. This was like ten times that amount of fucking. If Max doesn't like this movie, <laughs> that'll be the. I'm gonna end hang myself the... <laughs> in his backyard. <laughs> that day, uh, well, dude, rest easy. I fucking adored this movie. Sweet. So this is another one of what you and Sarah. Well, hold on. Before we get into the flick, sure. Let's uh, let's do our business up top since we didn't do it last time. Oh right, we yes. were in such let's, a fucking hurry, and we have some new folks around. We do, and we'd love to thank them. So we're a listener supported podcast. If you like what we do, you can head on over to Patreon.com/slash QuillenFilm. Q U I L L A N D F I L M. You can get shout outs on the show, full length bonus episodes, which speaking, many of which now too. Yes, uh, and some a couple new on. ones over there. They're, pretty rowdy one on the last one. Uh, that last one was fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah. So we've been doing a series called When Harry Met Michael over on the Patreon for uh, 70 years now. Um, <laughs> like a year, more than a year. 16 months, I think. It might be because we were definitely doing it around last Halloween, too. We were doing it pre-pandemic. We were doing it when we were doing like the Planet of the Apes movies. Yeah. I think that was season two. Yeah, so three seasons now. We've been working on all the Halloween movies and all of the Harry Potter films back and forth. Um, for this last Halloween, we did both of the Rob Zombie Halloweens. Both of those episodes are up. The first one, Rob Zombie's 2007 Halloween remake, that's not paywalled. So if you're listening awesome. on the main season right now, which you are, um, you can head on over to uh, patreon.com slash quillenfilm. Wet your whistle. Uh, wet your whistle. Uh, what you can expect a little, over there. A little bit of your bloodthirst. Just know that Halloween 2, that's the episode you want to listen Halloween to. Halloween 2, Electric Boogaloo, man. Uh, no fucking kidding, dude. Is That was like... Tesla electric boogaloo that yep. that was all the way to 11 so if you uh if you want to listen to that one the Halloween 2 you're not you gotta to, give us some fucking money pony up a little bit of money and there there's a bunch of people who are and here they are in a list format read by me <laughs> <laughs> so professional so we would love to th- our first of all we have two three have three new patrons as of last week so we would love to thank Mike and maybe Kristen Stewart Mariah Rosado uh, baloney shoes Leslie Ty Cassandra down in Florida our thoughts and prayers always she, with you. She does explain it all. <laughs> she does. Cassa- Very well. Check her show out. Cassandra explains it all. Very cool. Throwback 90s nostalgia show. We'd love to thank uh, Jeffrey T. Morgan, Kevin Ramirez. Kevin Ramirez. 
Sister Sarah Hartley, who has joined us in studio, graced us with her presence today. She escaped in the chapel for just a few. She's, hours. Yes, <laughs> the nunnery. The nunnery. Yes. Uh, we would love wherever, wheresoever he may be. Our hearts and thoughts go out to the wanderer himself, William, William Rockwood, Rockwood. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Brian Jackson. We'd love to thank Kelly and Mike Wagner, Katie Clark, Daniele Hartelli, uh, Connor Sweeney, uh, Casey Shibe, and John Shibe. Thank you all. In infinite, yes. infinite amounts. Our, yes, the yes, depth yes. of our gratitude cannot be sounded. Now, we're here to talk about a fucking movie. 1984's. Guys, I how had I never seen this before? I know, it's incredible. So we're talking about... But a, you haven't seen it. A classic. It's also incredible. Yes. So we're talking about a classic thr- classic throwback, one of the greatest low-budget, low high-budget, budget-budget. It had a, it had money that they used to make the film happen. And happen it did. 1984's The Last Starfighter. Come on, Alex! They're here! Alex Rogan had a dream. You really are leaving here, aren't you? To be as far away from here as possible. You get your chance. When it comes... You gotta grab it with both hands. It started with a game. You gonna bust the record! But it wasn't just any game. You have been recruited by the Star League to defend the frontier against Sur and the Kodan Armada. And then one night. Centauri's the name. We have to talk about a matter of utmost importance. Step into my office. I've seen him come and I've seen him go, but you're the best, my boy. Light years ahead of the competition. Alex didn't find his dream. Hey, look out! Oh, dear. His dream found him. Where are we? Welcome to Rylos, my boy. A world on the brink of destruction. You were recruited by the Starling to defend... To defend the frontier against Zur and the Kodan Armada. Of all the life forms, on all the planets, in all the galaxies... been chosen. Alex Rogan. Alex? I'm Alex. Is the last Starfighter. For every Earthling who's ever imagined traveling beyond the stars. Maybe there is a Starfighter left. I love you, Alex Rogan the unforgettable story of one who made it. The Last Starfighter. They used to be really shitty about that. They still are shitty about that. That's why I hate fucking trailers. They kind of are. So that was the... 
know this is movieclips.com. Let's get out of that and promptly. <laughs> that that trailer truly does give you most of the end of the film in the trailer. It doesn't leave anything to like, oh, I wonder, does it have... No, if you've seen the trailer, you know pretty much how the movie ends. They totally save all the best like action shots, too. Where yeah. they're like, you know, like, what's going to draw the audience in? What about the end of the film? How about... Out of context. How about they <laughs> blow up the command ship? Right. And there's a celebration. It's like, you've done it! Yeah, I mean, you've done like, it. will Alex be able to save the universe? And then the trailer cuts Alex, to, like, Alex, saved you've the saved the universe. <laughs> it all turned out A-okay, Alex. You did it, buddy. You nailed it. We're all so proud of you. <laughs> will he get the girl? Hey, I'm going to come to Rylos. Alex, I'm the girl, and you've got me. You know, like, you watch the trailer, you're like, well, good to know how that well, all no, turned out. No I wonder. I will <laughs> save my money then. <laughs> Uh, what else is coming out this week? <laughs> that one. I hear there's a new Spielberg film. Uh, E.T. is coming I saw some out great trailers this week, guys. I saw Drive. That movie looks great. It's slower than that, I hear. It's made for but television, the trailer's but just great. fast and sassy. Um, so let's run through the cast. This, first of all, the first fucking credit. So that, as we said earlier, 1984, this film is directed by Nick Castle. Yes. So those of you who re- might recognize that name from the aforementioned Harry and Michael series... Nick Castle plays The Shape in the original 1978 John Carpenter Halloween. It's fucking crazy. It's Michael Myers directed this movie, man. <laughs> it's wild. Um, written by Jonathan R. Betuel. But it's like B-Duel, but with a T. Betuel. Betuel. He's I a very he's, good at writing sci-fi fiction. I don't know if he's Austrian, but I like your choice of accent. He has a collection of tapestries in his foyer. <laughs> How he lights, dare he? He lights within a sconce. In Escance. So this movie stars Lance Guest, Robert Preston, K.E. Cuter. This is an this is one thing about this movie. We've watched a lot of movies in a row now that have like these star-studded yes. blow you away casts. Not a whole lot of that in this There's one. There's nary a star in this. Dan O'Herlihy, Catherine Mary Stewart uh, as Maggie Gordon. Total fox. Mm-hmm. Dan Mason as Lord Krill, Norman Snow, Barbara Rawson, Chris Hebert as Lewis Rogan. He's pretty fucking good in this one. What the shit? I mean, honestly though, like looking through this cast, I I don't. A lot of these don't even have this pictures. Robert Preston on is about the biggest star power as here. Centauri. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and we did say that we'd seen Lance Guest as well in Halloween Two, That's not right. the Rob Zombie Halloween Two, but the like original Halloween Two. He's the Halloween Hospital. Yeah, the- yeah. <laughs> General Halloween. Um, so he's the character who dies of the traumatic closed head brain injury in the car. Fucking One of the fucking incredible. worst deaths in Halloween, too. Pretty harrowing shit. Uh, so let's go around and say what we sure. thought. I don't know. Did you guys, um, did you like this film? I'll let, my, I'll Carl let Sarah, Sarah go Yeah, first Sarah, what, what do you... Do like this film? Yeah, what's your... We... What's your one-sentence the... review? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that... When you're a child, especially, and you have a great love for childhood, and you're growing up, and you don't know good and evil yet, except through movies and and stories, and mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. was like our childhood. This is how yes. we learned that the light that everything was fine in the end, that life would always be okay, that yep. you'll want to have adventures, and and you'll have the death blossoms, and you'll have all, the, but like then you'll come home and. Wow, your community and yeah. Now discuss your bitterness at, deter- at discovering that the world is not. No I'm kidding. Well, not, <laughs> totally it doesn't because it still <laughs> it still rings in your brain today that like even like 
you get a lot more reality the more you grow up, right? Mm-hmm. It's like you start to realize the shit is real, but you still have the last starfighter. You still have you still have a place to come home to sure. that feels safe. And even though getting be in Centauri's okay. car didn't feel like it a good idea, feel so great. even even as a kid, you're told to get in my car. Yeah. Everything's fine. I'm not going to hurt you. Sure, those aren't commands you that's follow. That's like no. that's like the identifying sentence of a pedophile. Yes. <laughs> yes. And yet, I'm sorry, mom and dad. If Centauri had pulled up in a DeLorean and said, "Get in my car. I'm not yeah. going to hurt you," I think I would have. Yeah, I think it's important that that's Robert Preston in Centauri because that makes that okay. There's another the aspect of this too, which is. I'm slightly younger than both of you, but we all kind of grew up in what I'm now starting to think of as like the halcyon days leading up to 2001. Mm -hmm. Mm. So like in America, I don't know how you you guys, you remember your childhood. I remember my childhood. I don't know about you guys, but I remember like this. You could, you just like get on your bike and ride to your friend's house. Like Mm -hmm. you'd call your mom like once a day. They would just have no clue where you were. You're at Mm -hmm. one of your friend's houses. They're pretty sure. And that was like, except for like a few instances that made the national news and terrified everyone forever by breeding a you know this sort of weird undercurrent of paranoia that made that essentially strangled innocence out of the country but that aside i remember that being like pretty fine yeah you'd just be gone for like 16 hours a day and then you'd show up for dinner and they'd be like how was your day or that you know there there could be a whole hours that have gone by during a tornado where your kids aren't around and your parents were just like oh you were gone you were sure you're fine you guys missed the tornado Oh, yes, you were, we were in, in it. it. <laughs> <laughs> How was it? We only saw it from the window, we're oh man. Damp. We're covered in cuts and bruises. But yeah, that was the that was it back then, man. There's was- a there's a certain set of films that exist from this time period that every time I watch them now, I I feel something lost, but I also feel like a part of me that I haven't felt in years or haven't been in touch with in years kind of like rekindle and I love it. And it's that Stranger Things feeling. Yeah. It's like... so, Which is what they're trying to capture, yeah. Totally. Stranger Things is like... There's a there's a movie, a type of movie that they're all watching, and it's like the Ballad of Billie Jean, The Last Starfighter, Raiders of the Lost Ark, everything Steven Spielberg directed from like 1980 to exactly. 1989, you know. <laughs> and there's there's always the Goonies. There's always this certain vibe of like a bunch of kids, and Neil Gaiman's really good at this in fiction as mm-hmm. well, which is and Stephen King is phenomenal at this. Incredible. A yeah. bunch of kids get into a really tight jam. And things look really dangerous and really scary, and the stakes are fucking there. Like in this movie, the last Starfighter. Fratellis are very real and dangerous. They're about to fucking like blend Chunk's hand off. Right? Yes, well, like, and it's it's there's this it's this thing that Stranger Things does so well, which it borrows from all these movies, which is not being afraid to actually put children in peril. Yep, but never. Like doing that nihilistic kind of thing that came up in like the late 90s when you have all the comic books get super hyper violent and like 80s action films get their resurgence with like Dolph Lundgren features and the Matrix comes out in 99 and you get school shootings in 99. So they don't pull, they don't like, they don't take it over the line. No kids die. There's no like, we have to now mourn the loss of a child and look at it. Like there's even though, Stephen King. 
Unless you're Stephen King, but yeah, right? Like, I guess it is the exception. Yeah. This is like opens with like grisly child murder. We're going to murder half the, the child characters within the Stephen first King aside, pages. there's a type of movie I, I love where it's just this like really dangerous roller coaster ride for a bunch of kids and the stakes are there and you're edge of your seat this whole time. Like three times in this, even watching him play the video game where I'm like, oh my God, is he going to get the fucking high score right now? Oh my God. <laughs> Sarah, Sarah, where are you? Hold my hand. Is he going to get his fucking high score? Like, they make you care, but uh, but at the end of the day, you still leave that film feeling good. Yeah, I miss that kind of filmmaking. I love I loved this movie, man. <laughs> See, I loved it so much. You mentioned the other movie that this film remind doesn't remind me in 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 how it's like the 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 story necessarily, sure. but it's how it leaves me feeling at the end and through the adventure. And it is Goonies. So Goonies for me and the Last Starfighter both do the exact same thing as far as. They survive that that nostalgia factor sure. where they are good because you're looking at it through the lens of nostalgia and remembering your childhood, but they're also just that fucking good at at pulling that what? Will you pop your phone off the table real quick? Sorry. Thanks. No worries. Yeah. They're just that good at um, eliciting that sort of emotional response right. from children and adults alike. It's just that adventure. And I don't know. I think... Adventure's the right word. Yeah. Like... Even though this is this movie's preoccupied with an intergalactic war, right? And you know, an oncoming, they're kind of like alluding to the. They're like they're going to show up on your planet and enslave your entire race yeah. and turn your life into this fascist hell nightmare scape. And spoilers that happened in twenty twenty. <laughs> so <laughs> no, but like, <laughs> but no, like, um, but but it never feels like it doesn't feel like sp- spacing Private Ryan. You know, it's right. not like. There's a lot of modern sci-fi that gets very gritty because that's in vogue. This feels, even though we've talked about it during the movie, like Alex kills like hundreds and hundreds of alien life forms. And at the end of it, he's like, woohoo, <laughs> dude, space call of duty fucking rules, you know? Yeah. Um, so it, it does kind of track. So you a, got the taste for blood. Yeah. <laughs> it does kind of track a little differently in the future, but it always feels like an adventure rather than like. A harrowing story of survival. It's yeah. like it's even though the stakes are high, it's something like you said. You would jump in the car still at the end. You know, if this ends with like Alex as dismem- dismembered body on an asteroid, you know, and and that was when the human race ended. Yeah, Planet of the Apes two, and the, yeah, the nuclear oh bomb God. goes off and wipes out all life on Earth. And you're like, wow, that was a fun adventure until you were like, control alt delete humanity. <laughs> yeah. So when the adults in the mo- these movies are always just like pod people, like they have no real skin in the game they have mm-hmm. no real emotion like they're they're emotionally dead humans and i was actually thinking of the lost boys is another yeah. like fantastic yes. example i mean super gnarly example but right. like the the parents it's not that the parents do or don't believe it doesn't even matter if, right. if, if the adults have any yeah. play in this at all they they don't need to be there right it's really interesting right you have edgar and Alan frog are are gonna be okay well that's what di- <laughs> that's what i think differentiates this movie from or like movies of this ilk that aren't Spielberg films from Spielberg's set mm-hmm. in this subgenre because Steven Spielberg, if you think about like um, I know Poltergeist is a Toby Hooper film, but it's pretty much a Spielberg kind of in that. But well, like his, 
E.T. brushes all over it. For yeah. sure. And that's actually a big criticism of that film that Toby Hooper had was like, I had a vision and Steven Spielberg came in and was like, all right, Toby Hooper, dance, puppet, dance. He's, he said mm. no and yes until it fit into what Steven Spielberg would have directed mm. Basically, yes. But like when you think about Poltergeist or Close Encounters of the Third Kind or E.T. or mm. what have you, one of the or Goonies, what Steven Spielberg does, and Stephen King does this really well too, is... In this one, the the adults are kind of like cardboard cutout. Um, like now, this guy, this this adult, he's the supportive guy who's gonna help you chase <laughs> yep. your dreams. Now, this adult, this is the shitty adult whose power. Like they're yeah. they're like flat plastic people. Spielberg and Stephen King both actually like find a way to make the jaded, bitter agedness or the the like further down the stream nature mm-hmm. of the adults inform the child characters and vice versa so the adults rather than just being like way stations from plot Mm -hmm. point to plot point which they are in this movie Mm -hmm. which is totally fine because that's what this movie needed but i think what makes spielberg's films that that give it that little elevated bump well because it becomes a whole with spielberg especially becomes about the whole family rather than just the kids et is a great example of that mom doesn't have as much to do but she's super important Right. I mean, to you, the mom here mm-hmm. exists just to tell Alex that he didn't get his loan application. Although I do love watching this now. Bad news, like, Betty. Yeah. Now yeah. we're in our forties, watching Last Star Fighter, and I still feel more like Alex Rogan than, than like mom- anyone yeah, exactly. else in the show. Like, this is a kid. This is like a 16, 17 year old kid. Yeah. Doesn't look like it. He looks forty years old to me because he's <laughs> he like sure seriously. Does. <laughs> his problems are our problems. Yeah. It's right. one of the things about our generation is like I don't know about you guys, but I I kind of feel like okay, I'm thirty one now. At this point, my dad was raising my brother and I, oh, owned I a house, there, man. Like, second career. You know, I'm like, I still feel like a like a grown up kid. I will I, probably feel if this I way start at 40. to play yeah. that game with myself because I have where was my where was my dad and what was he doing now? Right. I started playing like kind of casually playing that game about ten years ago, like 31, 32, 33 years old. I'm right. like, I can't fucking play that game because I will just like not I'm not you know there. I don't <laughs> I don't judge myself but negatively. No, for that. I do though because I have. But there's kind of a, but there's, <laughs> <laughs> I think we both do this as like Carl and I are yeah. planning our our Christmas holiday to go back to mom and dad's house because yeah. that's like that's what we do and we're the children. Yes. But I think sure. I mean there's a paralysis and a freedom in that. Like you can get yourself all painted into a corner, right? Or you right. can just be like, but oh my god, I, I can sit in my underwear on a yeah. Sunday afternoon and watch the Last Starfighter with my friends and a right. glass of wine and. It, my parents never had that. Right. <laughs> so it's like my like my dad doesn't. We're not in our underwear, by the way. No. No. Not anymore. The movie's well, done. Well, we are in our underwear. We have other. There's other things on. Top of... I'm. I'll be straight. I'm wearing underwear I don't wear right underwear, now. Though, so. I've got them on. <laughs> teal, on your ball head. Teal blue oh, on my butt too, bro. <laughs> I love it. Brown both thigh. Nice tight grip. Feel really supported. That's good. <laughs> but no, like think about it. Does, did my dad my dad never got to wake up at like eight in the morning plug all of his fucking guitar pedals in and just shred <laughs> for like four hours, hours no. and then watch the last starfighter and then sit down with a glass of wine and get on you know, mic you're right. in his underwear because and I, various other articles i got up this morning i read three chapters in rama because i'm going yeah. back into the arthur c clark mode for a bit and mm. you know just lounged about maybe watched some television i organized some board games and i was like oh it's time to go and do a podcast and then i got to leave and be here for four hours do you two think that that has anything to do with what we consumed for entertainment as children because like 
parents' generation, they're way ahead of us, right? They're like, yeah. they're I've got stocks and bonds. Yeah, I'm 22, getting old. Time to start thinking I've about retirement. I've owned my house for five years. Yeah, I'm dude. They, 30. And like, we actually have our bag packed in case, like, the yeah. Starfighter clan. Yeah, yeah. We're, like, I've, <laughs> I've got my Rylos go bag under my bed. Had it. So I should probably change it out. I've grown since then. Sure, yeah. Like, make <laughs> sure the clothes aren't going to fit. Oh, man, the moths got into these socks, and that's when the light kicks Shoes on. Shoes are right. going to be okay, because I've been a nine and a half since I was in third grade. It's like, yeah. I don't need so. a retirement plan, because I'm going to join the Legion. Exactly. Well, I mean, what are, so what's everybody watching in, like, the 50s and 60s? It's like... I Love Lucy is television, mostly. Well, I mean, the, yeah. they go to the... It's to like the, family-oriented stuff. Mm-hmm. All the depictions of adults that they're seeing are, like, straight-laced dudes working nine-to-fives. They're supporting Dobie their Gillis, family. Yeah, and even mm-hmm. the films are, like, if you're watching westerns, it's all about, like, strong men providing for the families if you're watching like city dramas everyone's got good jobs they're all yeah. dealing with the things that we think of as the adult problems from then right but the troubled you, teenagers are not, not solving problems they're not having adventures not like in the they're 50s, 60s. sad they're teenagers. just bummed out yeah, the, bummed yeah. Out, the, tr- the troubled kids are like smoking the marijuana cigarettes right. behind the thing with their eyes all fucked up like murdering each other or like you yep. got james dean just yes. looking sad sad and dies like nice. like most of the troubled yeah. kids die young and they that's get stabbed by switchblades most of the they time. They die in rumbles, they die on the back <laughs> of hogs, they die d- they die playing chicken. They die smoking dirt weed cuz that you overdose on small amounts of pot I've constantly. I've seen the documentary. I know. I did I went through or dare. documentary as some <laughs> wish. <laughs> but no, so like that's what our parents grew up on, but yeah. then and I was we actually talking about this in the Halloween 2 episode. The 60s happen and the Hollywood system starts to founder because this is when the hippie movement starts. So you get youth culture. You actually get kids who are like, fuck your, yeah, fuck your money, man. I'm watching my dad like with a severe drinking problem in a loveless marriage with my mother working a job that he hates because he is not fulfilled. And Eastern mysticism and like Eastern religions are flooding into the United States at this time. So through the 60s, you get this countercultural revolution and Hollywood almost died because they're putting out all these movies about like straight laced people who are working jobs and raising families. And all the kids were like, why the fuck am I watching this? I can go and do acid and have sex with like eight people. (laughs) So Hollywood basically fails. And in the late 60s, what's called this group of directors we were talking about last week called New Hollywood, they come in and take over all the studios that haven't been bought by like AT&T and Viacom to just get folded into their portfolios and essentially close and stop making movies. So these young... The Scorsese's and the Coppola's. Francis Ford Coppola, George... Or, uh, George Corman. Um, Roger Corman. Roger. Like, all these, mm. like... Kind of, like, leading the whole fucking path. Peter Fonda shows yeah. up. Like, you get you get all these people... Jack Nicholson starts writing and directing films as well, and now the movies that are coming out of Hollywood, because the CEOs, they don't give a fuck. All mm. the heads of the... We were talking about Jack Warner was the youngest studio Head in like 1968, years old. 65. Yeah, there you go. So they're oh like, he had, and he had no idea. None of these dudes had any idea what American culture was turning into. Mm-hmm. So they were just like throwing spaghetti to see what movies started making money. And the movies that made money, sometimes it was a western. That's true. That's true. Spaghetti westerns became really popular because Sergio Leone, and the reason spaghetti westerns as opposed to like John Ford's, like, all right, let's they were violent. For one Very violent And so all the John Ford stuff Is about like Man's duty is to Well first of all Kill all the native people Around yes. Second of <laughs> all Be as white as possible Definitely super not gay too Yeah And also He drinks a ton But he keeps his shit together And never talks about his feelings Meanwhile Now you get And then you get Sergio Leone And he's like A man's duty is to die on a tree <laughs> Or to get Shot and like a whole paint bucket's worth of brains comes out the back of his head, and audiences were like, "Fucking shit!" I am way into this, dude. 
So, <laughs> so then you get the seventies and shit gets all rowdy. But this is, I think, all that leads to the eighties because you sure does. you need the seventies to fully dismantle this sort of like machismo, you know, American exceptionalism. This like pseudo fascist male dominant like and not not that the 70s and 80s weren't also dominated by male directors and characters but i think it's a turn in a different direction because you see people with problems show up on screen Mm -hmm. um the protagonists become younger because they're the important film going block yep and then you start you get actually this is when george lucas and steven spielberg start is in the 70s Mm -hmm. and this is where you start getting these guys being like Instead of giving people this idea that the roadmap is just get yourself into a slot in the giant clockwork machinery of the United States, why don't you go out and do something that, go and see some crazy stuff. Go and, you can, how about this? You can do anything you want. Yeah. You know, you start getting hope injected into film or like possibility outside of how many movies are like, I'm going to go and do something with my life. And then he, you know, has a drink of whiskey, takes a toke, his life goes to shit, his girlfriend hangs herself <laughs> in the garage, and then he gets home and he's like, and all I needed the whole time was a suit and a tie, and now I'm everything's fine. This one, you get, you're like, what if you could go to space, and you could fight in an intergalactic war and come back home to your trailer park yeah. and grab your girlfriend that's and save well, and to her, Bird's too. point, we had landed on the moon. Like, By, the, the yeah, yeah. post-50s era, you know, as we're moving into the 70s, everyone's like, what is what is possible? We just landed on the moon. Right. Right. We in got, a tin can we got off that the had earth no and, technology in it. Yeah. And fell back to earth, <laughs> Run essentially. On a, on a calculator. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So when when you put that on the table, suddenly it seems like you can do anything. Yeah. Mm. Unfortunately, maybe 20 years after this, no, 40 years after this, <sighs> we discover that the lessons that were taught by 80s films don't necessarily translate when yeah. the world <laughs> is in the stranglehold of evil old mm. people who are money and, and it's reflected in in cinema too how do you mean currently in what sense in a sense that it's kind of it's always a reflection of what's sort of the the tone of the zeitgeist or you know the the group right in general i mean it's just there's kind of like a, a lot that just doesn't matter that's released cinematic we do have fringe people ari aster um, There's some production companies that are doing yeah. like important work and stories that matter. But outside of like, I always consider the Marvel Cinematic Universe as doing just about. They're just holding on to that imagination thread that was started back in the '70s and '80s. Of there's this grand, fun storytelling with you know stakes, but the stakes don't really matter because it's right. Thanos and like. But other than that, is that there isn't there aren't like stories being told that that matter everything is sort of just the mythology is changing well like yeah. we're changing our our ancient mythology because everything is faster and more connected so now right. we have like streaming services and all these platforms where people can create their own work and they're flooding everybody's every orifice has some kind of content content being Capital driven C, into it right. and it's mm-hmm. so so nobody is nobody is tethered about. to this common mythology anymore, for good or, or right. bad. I mean, sure. It, so, but I mean, you don't have these like elite, sifted people who are right. the ones who are showing you what you're supposed to be thinking. But then there's no filter for right. I feel like Guillermo del Toro was like one of the last of that sort of old generation of writer directors before we got into that. Just like a bunch of noise, like you said, mm-hmm. like, everything is as soon as streaming became a thing that was pretty much everyone can get a get a hold of like five ten years ago hmm. became the end of like the writer director or the or the fuck i had something on my mouth or the um 
like this type of movie where it's just all so much noise and so much happening that it all just feels empty. Doesn't matter. Like there's a friend. I, there's not a day that goes by where someone doesn't say, "Hey, did you have you seen Show X?" I'm like, right. I nope. didn't know Show <laughs> X was a thing. There's t- oh my god, it's great. You gotta watch it. And it's just like another thing. You know. And here's the here's about that too, which is like when you if you ever actually when someone tells you a show, listener, the next time someone tells you like you have to watch X, go and watch an episode of it. And actually weigh it against a sh- any other show that you genuinely enjoy. Because one thing I've noticed is this. People give you, you'll, I have like 50 shows I'm supposed to watch, right? And I've watched like five of them. And I would say two of them were really good. Yeah. Everything else was like, this is fine, but there's five seasons of it. And it's hour-long episodes and there's 20 episodes a season or whatever the fuck. I'm like, you look at that and you're, I'm looking at 100 hours of something that's just okay. Yeah, and the next show is that, and the next show is that, and the next show is that, and then there's Bosch. Bosch is fucking awesome. Right. So you watch Bosch, and you're like, okay, but I could have wasted five hundred fucking hours watching this tepid nonsense bullshit that's the derivative of everything else that's come out for the last thirty years. Now that's not exclusively true because we were talking about like A twenty four and Blumhouse. Horror is very rich with like originality. I feel like that is about the only genre right now that is making any sort of headway as far as like my. Can I be nerdy? Yeah, go with ahead. You first? Film nerdy. Yeah. So there's this. There's been this evolution in directors, like what a director is in Hollywood, right? From like pre 1965 until now. So pre 1965, again, we talked about this with a couple exceptions. Yeah. Alfred Hitchcock. Most foreign directors around that time in the 50s and 60s fell into this category. Kurosawa and, and whatnot. Yeah, like people like Kurosawa. Fellini falls outside that. Um, Goddard falls outside that. And then, like, and we also have John Ford doing the westerns. But outside of those guys, a director is really just a person in pre-1965 who, like, shows up on set and makes sure that the actors are all there, makes sure they say their lines, but they really don't have much creative input. They were, they considered themselves more workmen than, like, artists. They weren't trying to put their stamp on films. They were just trying to... It's not their vision. Right. They're trying to make the studio, the contractual studio picture. They're not like, how do I make this mine? They're like, how do I make that thing they want me to make? But... With this flood of like foreign films in the early '60s and mid '60s, when and not just well, Lucas sees Hidden Fortress and goes, "Holy fuck!" Sure, and it's well, yeah. Lucas met I think Francis Ford Coppola while Coppola was working on a musical, but I mm-hmm. might be wrong. But the oh, they, they all went to USC together. So when well, back when this first starts, there USC. was no film school. Right. There's no film school basically all through the '60s. It doesn't really start being a thing until like '68, and that's when New Hollywood comes in. They're also called the film school brats. This is Steven Spielberg and those cats yeah. who actually did go through film school. They come out and they're rock stars because they've been formally trained. But before that, the way you kind of did it was Jack Nicholson, Peter Fonda, um, the dude who plays uh, 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 Paps Blue Ribbon. Fuck that. Or, or, oh. uh, Pass Blue Ribbon. Mm-hmm. Oh, my now, God. Now, Heineken, fuck that shit. What's that guy's name? An- not Anthony Hopkins. It's not Anthony Hopkins. Fuck me. Anywho, those dudes all had to go through Roger Corman, basically Roger Corman Film School, where they just went and made like 50 movies with Roger Corman, and that taught them everything they needed to know. But this is all super far afield from Last Starfighter. But anyway, <laughs> no, sorry. It's because this movie is important both to, to us, yeah. Sarah and I, as like this cornerstone movie of our childhood. But I think that The Last Starfighter and certain movies like it, like yeah. Goonies, that we're not the only siblings or people our age that will say pivot. that about it's a pivot point. Absolutely. It's, a, it's such an important. I can. I, we, before we started this, I was saying, like, this is a movie that I've heard Kevin Smith talk about for yeah. a decade. 
or it changed everything after this every movie. every nerd ever every science fiction person ever if you watch special features if you listen to commentaries this film gets mentioned all the time it's like yeah. earth girls are easy and this and cronenberg's the fly and mm-hmm. there's like this it's that it's that 80s thing but this movie sticks in people's heads and i totally see why now yeah and you were right sarah at the beginning you were like you don't like blurring the edges of the bad CG, you don't want to even do that because like some of the jankiness of the the digital effects is part of the charm of the movie. Absolutely, I was surprised. It, you know, in Jurassic Park, how they have the like the CG Tyrannosaurus, but it looks good because it's in a rearview mirror and it's shaky and there's stuff mm-hmm. that's obscuring the image. And you just saw practical at work before seeing that. A image. moment, but it's like the magic trick thing when you like show people something and then you go to show them the same thing again. But they don't realize that something's changed because they're ready to see the thing they just exactly. already saw. And that's how the illusion works. Last Starfighters does that so well. They're mm-hmm. like, we're going to use CG, but out in space where it's super dark and like you kind of can't see. There are no see... matte lines because of that. Right, well, right. Well, they keep the practical stuff. Like when the Zandazan has his spaceship that is a real yes. item in in the tangible world. But they keep it so streamlined and and glossy Clean. and stuff, so that you don't see any difference between the CG and yeah. the thing. Star it's car just is a, a polished great example of that. Tin ca- yeah, I I thought the star car was super well done because like you're watching and you're like that's because a hundred percent it's real. You're looking at yep. it and you're like he mm-hmm. got into it, he's touching mm-hmm. the door, that's totally real. And then there'll be like an interstitial shot and you're like that I'm not actually sure about. That might have been real, but that maybe was that CG. And then that last shot where it's driving away from you. I couldn't tell. Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. I'm like, fuck. Is Maybe. Because you think it's real. Because like when the car, when it's sitting there and it starts and it starts driving away, I'm 100% sure it's real. But as it gets like 10, 15 feet away, I'm like, there's something like not exactly perfect about the perspective. Is that CG? Mm-hmm. To, yeah, for a 1984 fairly low budget science fiction film, that's very impressive. Keep, I've done the show with you so many times and so many hours. I've picked up on little like face things yeah, that yeah. we do you keep looking for notes i don't have any it's I really know. funny <laughs> you keep you keep doing your note I check i'm like, what, like what's the next thing that happened but i have nothing it there <laughs> this this was one of those awesome flicks that you sit down i had my notebook out i'm like the last starfighter 1984 note number one begin the film never wrote a fucking yep. word because I couldn't look away from the screen. I'm like, all right, I'm going to take a note. And I'd look down, and then Bird would be like, oh, my God. And I'd look up, and there's some brilliant practical effect happening or a funny joke or Carl and Sarah are saying dialogue that hasn't happened Happen yet. yet. <laughs> but Sorry we'll ha- about that. That's a, I got to work on that. Dude, I thought you were very restrained. That I, was, I was, but we could have done this whole movie. Totally. Oh my God. I, had, I, had I the, did not begrudge a single I moment. I felt all of them were earned. Fully shoved into <laughs> my mouth the whole time. Dude, I could tell because you kept wiggling. Yep. You're like <laughs> sitting next to me, and he'd be like, but you know that this guy's a bad guy because he has the gun. And I'm like, which guy? Oh, this guy? Oh, look at the gun. You know, like, oh, I totally would... called out. I'm like, hey, there's a mole. You're going to blow up I know, the I'm command like, center. wait, which mole? And then someone would plant a bomb. And I'm like, okay. So oh, I just one. so I can watch this and just know what's going to happen just immediately before later. it, like seconds before it happens. I thought that was great. You weren't like telling you're me. You're about to meet the sexiest villain Yeah, ever. it's it was like, it's that. <laughs> if it wasn't for, like, this, the this so like palpably there was like this palpable pulsing love for the movie that was just like on both sides of you yeah i was like i was like everyone flanked oh yeah i was just kind of like bobbing in this sea of like joyous nostalgia so every time you guys like ran a whole section of dialogue or in in, an alien language that was fucking crazy (laughs) okay the, the like the alien language where like it's some of it's like 
<laughs> like when that is an element of the language, that was fun enough. But what made it so much cooler for me was when you guys were talking to each other in the alien tongue, and I'm all like, you know, like two seconds later, they're saying the lines on screen. I'm like, they know. They don't like all of this. <laughs> this is like a paragraph of dialogue that's like kalakatita mokoka no no patata. And you guys are like just in lockstep unison. I'm like, if there was like a famous cult that revolved around this movie, <laughs> yeah. this would probably like end my friendship with Carl and or with Carl and, and, not, and you know, to our credit also, it's not that we are just phonically saying things that are similar or close to no, the, the actual words that they are saying. We actually do understand the distinction in dialect between how they pronounce Zur. 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 Zar. I mean, there's lots of ways that you can pronounce that. Zur. Depending on your Aryan or a human. Or a Grigan. That's interesting. I hadn't thought of that. Which but is just being Grieg. There's that one. There's that one <laughs> scene where they say it three different ways, yeah. and I put Zur. Zur. And I looked. So I'm watching this, and I'm like, that was silly. Like, how man? They should not going to give that one another pass. Yeah, that's but pretty bad. You all said three <laughs> different names. Yeah, because I was like, they just said three different words, and you were like, yes, they did. And then I now I'm thinking back on it. And I'm like, and they were also three different alien races yes. too. So that is probably dialect work. This movie, I'll have to obviously rewatch this. I don't know, like a hundred and fifty times to catch up to you guys. But, <laughs> yep. but wa- even watching it once and like talking about it a little bit in between and getting into it a little bit here, I'm like, this is actually smarter and better than we thought. It's like fucking Halloween two. Yeah. Or you're watching Halloween two and you're like, that's really clever. That is really well written and super well shown. Oh my god, this is fucking brilliant. And it's Halloween two by Rob Zombie. I felt the same way about this. I'm like. N- Michael Myers is directing a low-budget science fiction film in the 80s. Yeah. How good could this possibly be? And then everyone's doing dialect work and made-up languages. And I'm like, well, shit. That's, <laughs> there's your answer. It's there fucking it super good. And we haven't even talked about soundtrack. We haven't well, talked no. score at all. Do you guys get the sense that this was... You said it during that watching, Carl, was... You can tell that Nick Castle was heavily influenced by Steven Spielberg. Oh, absolutely. Spielberg, it's all over this movie. Mm-hmm. He has nothing directly to do with this, but like... For sure, mm-hmm. it's in it's in Nick Castle's brain, and I this especially because this is '84, so it was like we are very early Spielberg in Spielberg's heyday. So Spielberg heyday. Spielberg just like kind of arriving on the scene post Duel, like being on the big screen for real. Like Duel's late '70s, and he had done his THX. That was or whatever. that was um, Lucas though. Lucas did, did that one. THX eleven thirty eight. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So he had, and Star Wars had happened. Star Wars had happened. That was the seventies sure. as well. Yeah. 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 So all of that had happened, and then we get Last Star. I was surprised by how little Star Wars is actually on this. Mm-hmm. Like, like none. Not really. really at all. It's more Buck Rogersy than anything yes, else. Yes, or Buckaroo Banzai. Yeah. It's like it's got. There's another one. That, well, Battlestar Galactica. There. The the but there's a little of that the, here. They're a little more Cylon-y than they are anything else. The a little Battlestar Galactica, e a little bit Doctor Who, a yep. little bit, uh, but there's that there's that really distinct eighties flavor thing mm-hmm. though too, which is so great about it. Talk about the score because you guys yeah. both immediately call yeah. out the score. Let Sarah talk about the score. Do please. Well, I, th- I mean, you'll take this over, but there are a couple of moments in it and the one that I always like almost cry when it's happening is when Alex Rogan 
he couldn't go to the lake with his friends. He had to fix somebody's plumbing and electric and blah, blah, blah. And he's back in his bedroom at the end of the day. Woe is me. And he's looking up at the mobile with all of the planets that he's scotch taped together. You can see all the scotch tape on the scenes. That's a great And scene. The, the music that plays, I mean, this is probably like a three-minute scene with no spoken words at all. He kind of overhears some mumbling outside. But the score takes you through everything that he is feeling takes you through this really bittersweet, am I ever going to get out of here? I'm dreaming of the stars. I'm hearing these old men. Am I going to become these old men? And you have this whole monologue without a single word because the score is so good. And then you have that one little, if it's a clarinet or something, the da 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 that is like that sharp, like, hope that ray of hope that just comes so sharply and right at the end and like you know he's gonna go hit that video game yeah. because oh. that's where he's gonna feel good and like oh it's just so good it's it, absolutely do you have more go yeah well it's, I, that same scene gets me like literally every time for me that is the most one of the most important scenes of the movie is it that that whole the whole arc of that scene starts with the truck leaving he can't go to the to the, the lake. lake because everyone needs his help but i you wanted hear, to go to tashi station to get some power exact, converters it's a little bit of that <laughs> yeah but you hear you hear two people at minimum say alex help me where are you alex help me and then we fade to like dusk and you hear thanks alex and he, he comes back whole home, day, all day doing that people. right he sits down and like just like you said it's just this quiet moment where he's sitting in a swivel chair, much like the gun star that he mm-hmm. will be in, he's maneuvering back his and forth. back and forth. Good while catch! I didn't even notice that. Mm-hmm. And and the clarinet that comes in that informs us that he is the last starfighter. It's the starfighter theme, yeah. only it's pulled mm-hmm. back and stripped down to just a clarinet and just incredible. It's and very it's moving, thoughtfully mm-hmm. composed, yeah. mm-hmm. and one of the best ways to express. Oh my God! I am stuck here for the rest of my life. Is the fact that murmuring outside, mm-hmm. they're talking about gonna be a pleasant day tomorrow. According, he is mouthing exactly what they are saying. Yeah. They first said it, said it over a thousand, thousand times, times. Yeah. and so here he is, stuck in this rut. I'm gonna go fucking play my video game. Right? Yeah, dude. Oh, it almost makes me want to cry. It's I, such it's an important so good moment because the the music actually goes through like four or five yeah. important emotional changes in, in that, that scene, scene. Yes. right well i mean you said it you said it sarah right at the beginning of the movie just for the opening credit title sequence which is just like it's it's like red hyperspace and the credits come up and it just does that for like a couple minutes and then the movie starts but just the opening credit sequence like the the arc of that music is like almost a whole film to itself yeah. mm-hmm. starts slow rising action here's the climax denouement yeah. and then he gets the girl and here's the closing credits during the opening <laughs> credits and now you've watched a film now watch the last starfighter and you're like that was well scored yeah <laughs> holy shit yeah it's, it's i mean it's up there with beautiful. with with indiana jones superman Absolutely. like all of the anything williams or or any, you name it craig Safon has done a a score that is totally mm-hmm. as good if not better than a lot of those now it has it we don't have a lot to compare it to we said williams scores tend to sound like williams scores definitely because he has certain tropes and phrases that you can always tell a use. danny elfman you can always tell yep. Hans zimmer mm-hmm. yep but we don't have a lot to to his oeuvre like, well, I if that guy made nothing else in his life, know, right? he made Seriously. one of the most we should perfect have his name. movie scores. Craig Safon. Craig Safon? Yeah. Okay. So w- one of my thoughts watching this was like, 
the I I the Williams thing is dead on because mm-hmm. he's he is playing with that sort of like holsts the planets mm-hmm. vibe. I feel like you almost have to as a nod when you're doing a science fiction thing, whether that be because if you're Jerry Goldsmith and you're doing, or like if you're Star doing. Trek. Th- yeah, I mean, it's it's a frontier brassy yes. thing. You have to you have, have trumpets. To it kind of borrows from like you can. It's like almost this. You could almost recut westerns with like science fiction soundtracks. Yeah, if you take out like Reveille, yeah. <laughs> but you, I mean, you could, and it would be kind of kind of cool to do. Yeah. Not cowboys, aliens, kind of thing, but just, just like that. it's Which pretty one bad. Say the cowboys, cowboys and aliens. aliens. Cowboys and aliens is not good. I haven't For as many theater. people as are in that movie, it should have been awesome. Oh my god! Con- conceptually, okay. it should have been great. Star studded. Like it actually makes me angry thinking about that movie while we're talking about Starfighter. I know. I'm sorry I brought it up. We're done with that. <laughs> that movie Fair. is dead and in the ditch somewhere. <laughs> well, shit, that's on my short list to like revisit. <laughs> Don't. Maybe I won't. It's not worth your time. Right. Watch something better. I'll yeah. watch. Watch Psycho. I'll watch Last Starfighter again. I w- yeah. I will as well. Like soon. I'm and glad I, would, I know you have it now. I would now. recommend I'll just it all the time. to, I may leave the disc with you, the special features on this. And if you, mm. if anyone has a chance to purchase this, don't, don't buy it on streaming. Buy physical media on For this For the special one. features. The special features are such a look into where cinema was just previous to this. And they mentioned Star Wars. Sure. And all the practical effects that ILM are doing and all their matte shotting and all that incredible work that they did to make the fucking Millennium Falcon fly and realistically where we're... Are they still around Industrial Light and Magic oh, or did they become... Yeah. No, okay. ILM is still ILM. They're also so part of that whole Lucas film. Like the Skinwalker Ranch. I know they yeah, work yeah, primarily yeah. out of there, right? Okay, so, but they are still a... a they're Skywalker Ranch, but... Sky- I was like, you no. watch too many horror wow, movies, Max. <laughs> Skywalk- okay, so Skywalker Ranch. I actually, my my slip, that's a real place. Skinwalker Ranch is considered to be the like the epicenter of paranormal activity in the United States. Excellent. It's this weird property in the middle of the desert where like... So when are we going? They've seen aliens. They've had like cattle mutilations. Dogs have like vanished and then parts of them will show up. There's lights at night there's like weird floating energy there was a anyway skinwalker ranch is a real place and it's fucking crazy it's currently owned by like this nameless recluse who bought it at auction for like an undisclosed sum and no one we need to get a hold of this recluse for a camping trip. well they bought the this this like kind of like no-name person bought skinwalker ranch specifically just to do paranormal studies there so it's anyway my bad yes skywalker ranch where we're all ILM yeah. Where films and get mixed, and all that, not so. Skinwalker Ranch, where dogs go to die. So, <laughs> but yeah, the documentary is well worth the extra couple of bucks to own it on physical media. It's a full-length feature documentary. It's like ninety minutes long, but they dive into the whole difference of they they were either going to shoot this thing practical, or we have this computer that might be able to render images in a photorealistic way. Yeah. And the budget, even for the computing part and like building this software, was going to be like a third of what it would cost to do all this shit and model. Right. So they put literally all their eggs in one basket on this technology that wasn't even fully fucking developed yet. They were programming and inventing technology as the film was being shot. And they they had a fucking release date too. You got like 14 months or whatever. That's probably being generous to, to put this together. They wrapped shooting like we've got four months to finish this shit. And the, fucking technology wasn't finished being built yet not even like going into rendering and modeling right. in the 3d environment the computer couldn't quite manage they didn't that have the, so- the programming done yet and where there's to a point where they're like well we can we're that's one of two things we can do we can either scrap all the work we've done on this 
computer because it's probably not going to work and we've got to fucking get a hold of somebody james cameron whoever we can get to make models real quick call ilm be like we fucking shit the bed on this we got to get some practical in here but then they managed to do one daily of like the star car taking off and is that now you said that the star car taking off is the first cg ever seen in a film yeah that's fucking so yeah okay yeah yeah so they they saw one shot like we've got it done this took us like 14 days to yeah. do but can we show you the shot of the star car before you go to ilm or whatever and like all right fine show us. so they get everybody in the test theater they show the star car and they're like so whatever it is that you need to <laughs> make this shit happen like we're going with that because i've never seen anything like that and the documentary is all about that like like super close call on hitting release and budget movie almost not happening but from this moment we get Tron from this and the whole other new technology that they were building for their CG shit, and this it was this was the turning point in in movies becoming something of the future where we were sure. movies were made about the future before, but now movies were the future in a very real. They're sort of pushing way. pushing the envelope yeah. on technology, yeah. And now that had I mean that's continued on CG like modern CG techniques and modern 3D modeling Continues for films and video evolve. games yeah. is kind of the reason we have deep fakes. Oh, yeah. Because they were like, well, we can so perfectly use motion capture mapping that now we can do it without, like, the weird green dots. You can just do it over a person's face, and that's essentially what a deep fake is. It's It's just map a person's face onto a real face because that's that programming where they're like, car go fly (laughs) (laughs) backslash exe dot. You know, like like that program has now evolved to a place where they're like, Tom Cruise copy paste and well, you, you know like the the true sign of a technology getting to the point of it being super usable um like it's something going from having to program like every single movement in a 3D space and then rendering it from that to like a drag and drop choosing from a menu sort of a scenario right, yeah. that is like such a exponential, uh, exponential increase in technology, increase in technology. when you consider it starting like, point yeah mm-hmm. well, think of like uh think of old websites right before if you wanted to build a website Fire, they're still out there you had to you had to know how to do like javascript or hire somebody that knew how to do all that back end shit and now or we're basic. so or basic now we're so evolved you get on squarespace and everything is like a template and you drag and drop and you can build your own website same thing with like Bird's web store, like listener, take a look at the artistbird.com. Her web store by like Christmassy time. Bird's like doing a revamp on her web store right now, and I got to see some of what it is where she's just taking like artwork, just oh, oh, I did this artwork, I've scanned it in a high res file, give it to this website, and this website will be like, here's what it looks like on a t shirt, here's what it looks like on a coffee cup, here's what it looks Mm -hmm. like on a beanie, here's what it looks like on a and it's we don't even you, have to have like upfront money for a merch store anymore. No, because no. now it's just print on yeah. everything's print on demand. They're like, you just tell, give us your art, and every time you sell something, we take a cut. Yep. It's like you've just it's completely outsourced. All there's no need to the tech tech. I wish that they would fund independent film projects in much the same way. But they will never do that. I know. <laughs> Ever, and that's why we're going to have. If you'd like to become a patron on <laughs> Patreon dot com slash Quilland Film. And we will, uh, so I did a big blog post not too long ago. We will, in the next couple months, talk at length about oh, Marlin. Marlin. Cool. We just want to be a little closer to our computer uh, financial goal. To Once we're yeah. able to edit video, there's going to be some wild shit happening I'm very just gonna quickly. I'm going to be spending the night here I hope for I, about three weeks. Like, for real, though, yeah. that is what you're going to no, do. That's, Danielle I'm, can come and stay here, too. That's I'm fine. I'm totally committed to the amount of time that that's going to be. It's going to be 
but it's going to be. Obvious. If you want to help edit Marlon. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking or about. Or score, right. it's fine. We went, we went, we the did. star card skipped past Rylos. And he's like, ah, oh, shit, let me the, back this up. We, we saw, saw this the in the defense, opening credits. Yeah, we saw <laughs> the defense station was blown to bits. We're like, this bro, not a good idea. All right, so I was going to take you to Rylos to be a starfighter, but it looks like they're all fucking dead. So it's, it's pretty <laughs> up right we're going to just go a little bit further. There's a Klaxos is right over the next, in the next star system. They got fucking one best strip club I've ever been <laughs> to. Alex, why are you looking at me like that? No, it's fine, dude. Best strip club, the wings there, and Primo. Primo wings. They come off humanoids. It's a dry it's, rub. They're big, and they do <laughs> have to kill like a bunch of sex. humanoids. Do. <laughs> they eat each other's wings. No, a dry rub. Oh, a dry. <laughs> Alex, I can get you the best dry rub in five solar systems. Best sex go home, ever. Man. It's all over the clothes. But Mags <laughs> is waiting for me probably in the trailer home. He's like, <laughs> Mags is being fucked by an android poorly though. Yeah. Hey, listen, bitch. <laughs> That's one of my favorite scenes is when he's like when that she she turns away because this oh, when robot they're, when they're is camping. being yeah he's he's not being responsive to her what is strange sexual strange appetites sexual desires strange, urges strange, strange sexual urges hey, are my strange sexual urges aren't speaking to you anymore <laughs> the slap that first slap man. She knocked an eye halfway out, I think. <laughs> Pretty much. That's why I I was wondering if that's why he needed to fix the ear. But that was actual Alex Rogan that got slapped. Oh right, real yeah. Alex Rogan gets slapped because he comes down and meets the beta like, unit what there. What the fuck did I just get slapped? For? But I love that out on the uh, out at the lake when she rolls away because Android is or robot is not being responsive to her strange sexual urges. So he turns on his like super hearing because other guy to hear the couple that's ten feet away from him. Yeah, right. yeah. So he just <laughs> they're literally fucking on top of each yeah, other. Yeah, <laughs> he like he gets the tuner going and tunes into the orgy that's happening around the <laughs> fireplace, and he's like. How are these other humanoids dealing with this whole fucking situation? <laughs> and basically, it's like, listen, babe, I'm like, sorry, bro. I just really want to, like, get with you because you're like Juliet or whatever. You're my Venus. You're like you're my, my Juliet. My Venus and all those other girls, like, and the, the illness that I contracted and, like, all those pustules. <laughs> that doesn't mean nothing, girl. It's always you. It's only ever been you except for, like, all them other girls. But like I said, that was, like, not a big thing and I was drunk. So he's like, all right. I'm just going to say that, and it's going to be totally cool. It works for a little bit. Yeah, she's like, Juliet, Venus, oh, Chlamydia. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> All the other girls meant nothing to me. It was you. Yeah, dude, her face when she's, he's like, oh, fuck it's like that little gif of the guy like doing the blink and turning his head to the yeah. left. It's that, but her yeah. face, and she's like, pardon, pardon me? Mm-hmm. Other, did you say other girls? All right, well, where's my ball cutting knife? You know, yeah. like, dude, she is incensed. Should I talk dirty to you now? Yeah, it's like, what do you want me to do with your bean? And she's <laughs> like, ah, well, I'm gonna. You're dead. You're dead. You're to dead me. to me. <laughs> I mean, when that alien comes around the corner and shoots robot in the guts, she looks at like this gaping, bleeding, like Green spreeing skew. hole. And she's like, serves you right, other <laughs> girls. Good God. All right, well, let's get let's get in the truck. I guess get we can go truck, somewhere, man. but I hope that hurts you, fucker. And you're like, wow, Mags is. She got some piss and vinegar love, in there, I man. I love how we have, and you mentioned it while we were watching it, we have the the revealed information that he is, in fact, a beta unit. We don't have to wait for any, like, sort of proof because it happens via that the moment. very convenient Zandozan that shoots him in the gut. I kind of forgot, but he does fess up, like, five seconds before yep. he gets shot. He's mm-hmm. like, okay, listen, this isn't working. Which is brilliant because we don't have to sit with the <laughs> right? whole I don't believe you bullshit. Yes. We just go right to the... She accepts, understands, we're in the truck, we're moving on. This is a perfect one-two skip a few. Yep. Mm-hmm. They just, it happens a couple of times yes. in this movie, and it's fucking great. This, it's, 
it's really well handled. I was, I will admit, I was kind of expecting this to be like kind of goofy. I was expecting Earth, Earth Girls Are Easy kind sure, of vibes yeah. where I'm like, you know, like, oh, it's cornball and okay, I'm watching it. But it's a cinematic, you know, moment in history. I need to, but no, they really well handle the, every time they have to yada yada, they nail it. Yeah. They're like, hmm. All right. Well, okay. Well, we've we've traveled back in time six seconds. How did we do that? And it's like, well, the it had it was that weird. doesn't matter right got, now. Oh, look out! There's aliens yeah. coming, <laughs> and you're like, oh my god, aliens! And you just let it slide. And every time yeah. they need you to let it slide, they they manage to pull it off in like a way that I could explain it to you, but your common Earth brain wouldn't possibly understand the science behind it. Never felt like, cheated <laughs> once. Never, never every did. yada yada is earned, and I was just like, bravo! I wish my teachers in school had been like yeah. this. Wait, what's up with this algebra, teacher? It's all fucked. You guys don't want to know about that. Don't worry about it. It won't actually mean anything to you in your adult life. Yeah, you're never going to use this. Thrice you may use it. Thrice you will use it. And all thrices you'll call your dad. Before the cock crows. (laughs) I'm so spoiled. My dad's a mathematician. So every time someone's like, you do need algebra, I'm like, yeah, I do need algebra. Dad, what is the answer to? Hold on. I'm doing algebra. (laughs) Yeah, 47. How did you get that so quickly? I know algebra. I don't know. I'm yeah. My I'm an algebra guy. I do. <laughs> I do lots you don't of... need to worry about it. Get in the truck. Get in the truck. <laughs> yada yada yada. Timey wimey so wibbly wobbly. Get in the fucking <laughs> truck. I'm gonna ram this fucker's spaceship. <laughs> I love when he's like, "Yeah, you're gonna need to jump out of the truck now." And she's like, "Okay, bye." Oh God, he's driving right at another vehicle. How long do I have to think a about this? Space vehicle. Thirty that I seconds. Only knew existed. You look a lot like my boyfriend. Are you fucking sure about this, Alex Robot? <laughs> Yeah, listen, you got like 10 seconds to jump out of the truck or you're dead too. I don't love you. I'm a robot. But your your boyfriend is going to be pissed if I kill you in this wreck. Three seconds. And she's like, all right, I'm out the truck. She's like, I hope you're not really my boyfriend. Jumps out the truck. And then I love the robots like like kind of, he almost, it's almost like the uh, like flip down the, flip down the visor, take one more look at Hawaii. One uh, final drag on the J-bone. <laughs> You owe me one, Alex. I would be fucking appreciate this, Alex. Boom, and then huge explosion. It's <laughs> a great fucking hero moment for for like this robot. It is. It, you know what? For okay, all of the elements we've talked about, editing is brilliant. The way it's shot, the visual effects hold up because of how they're utilized. Yeah. All of those elements are like things you can put your finger on and pin down. But there is one element to this movie that, to me, is like as insubstantial as like gossamer threads i can't get my hands on it but one thing this movie does so perfectly is it manages its and modulates its tone throughout even when okay robot alex dies in this car crash and we've kind of come to like him because he's goofy yeah but the movie has managed to set me up so that when he dies in this fire explosion i'm not heartbroken right i'm not like it at no point in this movie am i just like oh god i can't believe the pity unit had to sacrifice himself. Uh, nowadays, movies almost kind of show off oh by my God, they, how much can I make you feel? Like, mm-hmm. what's the range? Can I hit that Freddie Mercury, like, utter depression, bleak sorrow, all the way up to that high sea of, like, if this adulation scene, and hope? If this and, scene of Beta Unit ramming the Zandozan ship was shot today, it would have been in slow motion. It would have had flashbacks to shit. They could, they, it would have had a tear in his eye. They get it, Tarantino to like have the yeah. tire take his face off as a ghost. But it through. would have been like this this manipulative way to make us feel something. I totally agree. What do you right. think? Yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I'm thinking next generation and data and the way 
like they do the same thing with a beta unit that they do with data. Like yeah. you care about them. It's a yeah. it's a being. He has feelings, even though they're not feelings. They're like program program feelings. feelings, right? But you do like him because he's goofy and stuff. But what I think is actually brilliant, and what I as a kid it was like mind blowing to me that this was the same actor, but like he wasn't as hot. Like it's the same guy. Yeah. But like his his hair was kind of gumpy, and he was, and, like, he was wearing this like dorky sweatshirt and stuff so like some when of it's he, all blank his faces too at yeah. times too there's like a you're right i mean he has these like express like when he's talking to alex that back and forth conversation under lewis's bed on the bottom bunk or whatever they're they don't look like the same guy they don't that they fucks don't me up every time and so when he dies you know it's not Alex. you know it's fine and the brilliant part to me is that they actually have Mags screaming for Alex, right? And like sh- confused because this Rightfully all took so. the space of like sixty seconds in her life. But boyfriend, I'm a robot. robot. I've been shot. Now I'm like, going to explode. And she's like, I needed more time than that. And then later, you see her like sitting out on a picnic table. Like, how do I unwrap this? Oh, great! This for I know. Yeah, mom, mom gets home and she's like, Hey, where's where's Alex? And she's like, hmm. Yeah, I haven't answered that yet for myself. Got right. Two ways. Yeah. I what can... do I say here? He's in it. He's out in space, or he died in a car crash tonight. <laughs> Which one am I going with? But he like, lost you know, his mind, the movie got shot. Make you like the beta unit enough, right? For it to hurt because you like Alex more, and the right. score gives you a little cue too. They're not. It's not like the explosion and the score mm-hmm. comes in like. It's like da na 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 na. He fucking did it. Yeah, he blew that a, shit it's up. It's a heroic na, 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 na. moment rather than yeah. a sad one of sacrifice. Really. Yeah, totally. Well, and, I think and you have like, the you have that like that subplot, but you have this like parallel thing where Zur's like monitoring the communications, and the, the last starfighter is. So you're set up to be like, dude, ram that shit. I don't care if you blow up anything. That, that message can't get off the planet. And I love that Zor's like. He was clearly going to say, totally is dead. The last Starfighter is... Totally dead. As dead as dead can be, I I think. I think you might want to recheck that. Yeah, let's play it back. Don't bother. He was clearly going to say, broke his neck with my bare hands, definitely dead, skinned him, gutted him, held his beating heart until it stopped, Starfighter dead. Haven't you ever watched Superman? Let's if we're just, even one percent That's what I'm getting out of you. I need I need a little more. Yes, sir. How much Starfighter. longer must we endure this food? <laughs> Don't say that so loud. He's nearby and he's got his sticky stick. He's got his scepter. He's got his... Oh, he cut himself on it again. What he a keeps, fucking idiot. He keeps, he keeps fatinging it. If he keeps fatinging it like that. You know, I do imagine that like in, in the bits in between shit happening, it's a lot of like just the bridge being like. <coughs> I'm sorry. <coughs> and then in the back, you just hear like. I really wish it was stopped with that. <laughs> do you think like it's the like props department. It's like when you're in college and one of your friends has a switchblade. Yeah. You, know, you just sit there and you're like. I know it's just a knife, but when I push the button, the knife comes out and it goes, look at that. It was so fat and watch. I'll close it. Now, when I do it again, I just push this button. You can do that for 40 minutes before you get bored. Or it's like the first time you ever get a Zippo. Yes, dude. And that's exactly what it is. You're, you're like, yes, for an hour. Totally dead yeah. silent in the house because you really care about hearing the like, there's like an, there's an extra 
in, what's amazing is you guys did that for like two straight hours in college, and then the first time a girl asked you to light their cigarette, you it was a whole gun, and yes, you dude. drop it. <laughs> <laughs> you do the, you do like go to snap it, and it just flies out of your hand and hits her, yeah. but like in the boob, and then onto the ground, and you're like, oh, you can keep that, and you leave. Yeah. <laughs> That's your lighter now, bye. <laughs> so if I was cast as Zur, I feel like the property department would have had to like take the scepter from me between every shot because I would have been fatigued in it. Broke, you broke it four to you six times. You broke the fatinger. <laughs> Guys, it's not... F- Mr. Castle, I'm sorry, but it's not fatinging anymore. Did you fatigue it until it broke again? No. Well, no. tell me the guy with the eye visor wasn't doing the same thing. Oh, oh dude, for fucking <laughs> sure. I l- that... That eye visor was the coolest, and I love. I, it, we don't know what it's fucking for. It doesn't have any purpose. No, he's like, all right, it's time to get. We need to get down to business. And you're like, if his left eye doesn't see in orange, right, everything is red on this side. The world looks like way too normal. It's like it's like one point five D. Yeah, dude, it's like. Uh, what I I think best when I imagine that I'm inside a prescription pill bottle. <laughs> so I close my right eyeball and I'm like, if I were a Xanax right now, <laughs> I'd just probably chill out. We're at war, man. Not I. Not, not, not I. Not I. Get it? Get it, guys? Wow, that fucks with my death perception just terribly. That's why we oh, missed with those oh, meteors. I had this eye closed for so long that everything looks all weird wait, wait, now. Wait, turn out the lights. I bet I can see in the dark. Wait. Oh, I pulled it away, but all the colors are weird. Doot, 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 doot. And they're like, oh, we got to take that from him. How, how did he get the job on the bridge? He's is my question. He's the second in command. This is our Riker. He's not yeah. running well, shit. Well, that's, that's how they ended up driving straight into the fucking moon. Yeah, well, I love that at the end when they're like, Ramming right, speed. Yeah, boys, ramming speed. And they're like, we, did, we can't control at, the direction of the yeah, ship, well, though. Well, I feel like the navigation guys were like, at anything? Do you want it to like, because he doesn't give them like, Hit that starfighter. He's just like, turn it up. The navigator's like. And hers rowing like a motherfucker. Hey, did he give us a target? Bro, shut the fuck up, dude. His eye visor's down. <laughs> Go. Just Don't fuck with him. Do his... what he said. We got one guy fatinging over there. It's currently. He's yes, we got one guy fucking toot, 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 toot. We got fucking one eye McGee over here and fatings Zur over there. Bro, it's actually pronounced Zuer. Zuer. Well, maybe where you're from. This is, is this like a sauna you're sauna thing? Hearing Zuer, thanks to your translator. Thanks to your translator, it's translating into your stupid local dialect. Meanwhile, they've got it at full tilt boogie, and they just fly right, <laughs> right past into the, the moon. Yeah, they go. I love it because they fly over, like right past the starfighter. And oh, oh, nope. Well, can't turn. Like all the background people on the bridge are like, we're gonna miss them. We're gonna. <laughs> there they go. Job wasn't worth it. As there it they go. Out. Meanwhile, behind them, it's like. Do 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 zoop zoop. Wait, where'd he go? Where's the starfighter? I don't see him on the gauges anymore, guys. <coughs> Sorry. Ching <coughs> ching. It's like the least productive villain yeah. ship ever. And then I do. I I honestly do love how it ends, where like the guy realizes he was fucking with his visor too much and they missed. Yes. And now like all their con- like navigation systems what are do fucked. We do? And they're stuck with the like the gas Full pedal throttle. all the way down, and they're like. It sucks. We're like in outer space, and we just happen to be aiming straight at that moon that's like right there. Right. If we'd been aiming anywhere else, <laughs> so many other places to aim in space. That's kind of the thing with space is There's like a lot of it. If you're next to a planet, if you're not aimed at that planet, you'll miss it. It's you're like, gonna miss it. It's the equivalent <laughs> of like hitting a tree in the desert. Yes, dude. It's like 
Oh. How in the fuck did we manage it? You're in the Jeep. You're bouncing along. Bouncing along. And there's a big-ass cactus, like, right in front of you, but it's the only thing in the Badlands. And you're like, we should probably turn this fucking thing around. What do you think, Jim? Meanwhile, Jim's like, zeek, 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 zeek. No, man, keep that pedal down. Zeek. Oh, shit, this is going to suck. So, yeah, like, the movie ends for the bad guys with literally... All right, uh, let's assess the situation. It's like damage control. We've got navigation. Well, (laughs) it's the guy from fucking K-19, the Widowmaker. Oh, my God. Yeah, I don't know, man. The fucking radiator's busted up, and uh, we can't stand none fucking gas going full tail boogie. We're aiming at the moon. We missed that target. Zingy guy, I don't know where the fuck he is. I think he killed we some We are ghosts. missing one of our escape pods. I'm guessing he's probably Escape in pods that. gone. I'm fucking drunk. Navigators <laughs> both quit because you wasn't giving them nothing. Stu's been fucking himself for the last eight, six, ten just, minutes. Uh, Steve's hand fucking himself into a coma, which I think I'm going to get down to because we're going to die in like the next couple here. What do you want us to do? And the dude <laughs> snaps his eye visor down. He's like, wait, hold on. Let me. If we're going to die one more time, let me lock that. No, it didn't lock. Okay, it's back. What do we do? Zip. We die. <laughs> I love that you called the line before it happened, and you like surprised yourself that you I, got it right. I was yeah. fucking around, and I'm like, that was a good yeah. line. Yeah. We die. I Dude, in a weird and way. And actually, like, in the silence between you preempting that line, I could feel Carl and I both, like, trying not, try to, not giggle. to say it. And we're and like, oh, this is going to be delicious when he hears that he's right. We've been doing it the whole movie, and he did it on accident. Yep. But, like, all joking aside, that's a pretty badass last line for those yeah. villains, mm-hmm. dude. Zur is yeah. off, you know, fucking wherever. Yeah. He's doing his thing. I honestly never cared that much about Zur. He's, he's kind of a baby. He, what is, he's a big baby. What does Zur actually do in the he film? He knows how to get through the frontier because it's part of the Ryland technology. But clearly they all know now because they, but they burned a hole in the frontier. Well, they, <laughs> that's the whole thing. That's that's one of the beautiful things about this movie. There's so much world building that's never built but right. understood. In the, that's why he is. That's why Zur is in charge of this armada because they needed him to get through well, the frontier. And, he's the and son they're like, of the guy who's he the leader is of the Wait, yeah. so you're telling yeah. me Zur is like the like hunched back fucking he's guy Richard from Three Hundred? No, he's. Am I wrong? Is he the? No, he kind of is. He's because he's from the area that they're trying to get into. Yeah. And he goes to yeah, Zerx. Pretty much is. So he goes to Xerxes and he's like, I know a way around the hot gate. And you're like, man, Zack Snyder. Yeah, they're kind of much playing gross. with him. I mean, I don't think that's why the the line is well, how much longer must we endure this fool? I think it's not because <laughs> I don't how? think it's because like I don't think that's I don't think that's just a throwaway line where it's like, oh my god, this boss is horrible. They're going to murk him. They they have a certain amount of time where they're going to say this guy is in charge, and then they'll get like order sixty six and shit. And well, like, they he's do time to at the end of yeah. the movie. That, that's what happens. Is they're like, are we through? Are we through? We're through. We don't need him anymore. Awesome. Arrest, Arrest him. that he's man. Done. And yeah. he's like, wait, fshing, I'll get all of you. Fshing, 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 fshing. They're like, let him go. It's not worth it. Yeah, give him a ship. Yeah, honestly, they should have because he took one of their escape pods that they could have used instead. Well, and actually, we think that that's setting up for a sequel. But when you really get down to it, Alex Rogan has completely obliterated that entire the entire region. yeah. And so you do have Zur somewhere with his Who was, finger, yeah. but what is he gonna do? Because yeah. they we just destroyed every, all of he his was followers. The, he was the paper, the paper leader. Right? I love he wasn't the actual. I love that he's like a, the, he's like the Joe Biden of this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, my bad. 
<laughs> I didn't mean to say that. That came out weird. It's okay. <laughs> Joe Biden doesn't have a yeah. Or if, a if that guy had, had a fatinger, we'd have student loan debt forgiveness. Been done. <laughs> like he, he that would have been, been able to use his fatinger. Somebody get some Joe years. a fatinger. <laughs> well, after brain surgery, you know, it's difficult. Oh, no, let's I thought not make. Fun. I thought that the uh, I thought that the fatinger was an interesting thing to even be in this film because it's yeah. clearly such just a just a prop department thing. He does nothing with it except fatigue it. Yep. It doesn't seem to have any like it's not like Loki's scepter. It is a symbolic it was symbolic of their other leader. They were like just like your um, So this is like the you don't talk unless you have the stick. Pretty much. So they gave him the talking stick and he's like, No, no, I still have it, so I make the rules and I say it's Pizza Friday today, even though it was Pizza Thursday yesterday (laughs) and Pizza Wednesday the day before. I would follow him. I haven't. I know. I'm like in two months. <laughs> I know, dude. Lactose intolerant. I'm with you. I feel your pain. That was my main. You could have food group. goat cheese, and we could make portobello mushroom mini pizzas. You're keto. We yeah. could do goat cheese and like legit ass meat, like a lot of meat. No, I know. Meat pizza bowls are my new go-to. Your new go-to. Yeah, you just literally make pizza. Your new. <laughs> my, my, go-to. my new. <laughs> dude, I. Let's uh I must be hungry because I'm just like all I'm thinking about is food right now. <laughs> You're like that bit where Alex eats that bowl of chili. That never happened. I was trying to think of like a movie snack to bring over, like, you know, if it was E. T. Oh, yeah. we'd be we eating Reese's, Reese's and Coca-Cola yep. and stuff like that. And I was like, all I can think of is like a plate of hamburger gravy. Yeah. <laughs> you, condiments. Not even like a bowl. It's like because he feeds it to the dog and then yeah. we get like the only food you see in this movie is the plate that Otis of scrapes over into the... hamburger or whatever and then you see condiments when he's when he's yeah. busting the table. Hamburger helper not with no noodles, just yeah. that like runny meat yes. rule on a full-size dinner plate like one ladle full of it right in the center. Well, in filmies, should have brought that over. Well, in filmies we're going to do we're going to do Starfighter dog meat. Not made of, but for, but we'll eat it. We'll just have a crock pot of dog meat. Yes. A crock pot of dog meat. Stay tuned, listener. Made of. (laughs) Just be like local news stations all show up because they listen to this episode and they're like. Local podcast arrested today for eating and consuming 30 crock pots of of, quote dog dog meat. meat. (laughs) They're all labeled dog dog meat. Labradoodle meat. Oh. It wouldn't really be. It would just be fun little placards that made people not want to eat the like, disgusting oh. runny gruel inside. Yeah, he's been slow cooking for 18 hours. I'd rather have Texas 2 chili. What's Texas 2 chili? Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. They're award-winning chili oh. that's made of humans. Dude, the, I, I was thinking <laughs> oh, about... Oh, did you just, like, salivate and have he to swallow? Did. He that did. really mm. disturbing. Mm. Do you know the, um, the, the little rest area where they pull into in the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Mm-hmm. That's a real place, still exists, and they sell chili. They, Are we going? They start... Apparently, uh, yeah, it's like can. it's like the kind of chili that you'd expect to get at like a tiny one room shack with barely any so there electricity. There might be fingernails in it. The the Forever Midnight guys went there and ate the chili, and they were like, "It was the worst chili I ever ate in my whole life." Holy but shit. I ate chili at the stand that Texas Chainsaw Massacre rolls into. Wow. So there's that. That's awesome. It's not because I wish it was good chili, but that's not important, really. That's not important right now. No, I was thinking what when as soon as you said Texas Chainsaw Two and the chili, I always think of the scene where they fucking give Grandpa the hammer and try and he and can't because he can't even her. lift oh it. So he's like trying to lift the hammer and it's like falling out of his hand, but it's still hitting, hitting that her? woman in yeah. the face. Hitting her ever so gently with a of the very a hammer heavy mallet. Yeah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre is one of the 
listener, if you haven't watched it in a while and you're like, I can't watch a movie that bloody, watch it again. There's no gore in that movie. Other, there's a threat of violence, but not a lot of. Other than the torso that's like on that spike in the cemetery and the face at the very that beginning. He puts on her. In the first one. Second one. No, I'm oh, ta- talking about the first I'm, one. In Texas Chainsaw ah. Massacre One, directed by Toby Hooper, which everyone remembers as like the most disturbingly gory, bloody, gutsy all movie. atmosphere there and, is, and build up intention. Watch and, it again, yeah. man. Other than that torso on the stick, there is not a drop of blood in that fucking flick. Other than the torso on the stick. There's a torso on a stick. It's brief. But like out there's there's <laughs> Actually there are no briefs. It's just a torso and a stick. Pants are called briefs. Sometimes. That's true. He wouldn't have pants because he's a torso, you sick fuck. <laughs> what a terrible joke to make at the expense of that beautifully crafted prop torso. <laughs> Sorry, back back to Last Starfighter. Um, Much less blood and violence, and everyone has legs. This film? Yes. That is true. Is that true? Who, do we see anybody die like in a bad way in this? Not really. It's a PG film. We get the Zandozan that you gets get cooked. The, the head melting. Oh, the head, the master spy. The master spy getting his head like partly melted is pretty intense. And for the a beta PG. unit cooking into a person. That is, is one of the scariest things. Kind of disgusting. <laughs> so even even warned by both of you, go, because that's how this Frames film works. Before, yeah, because it's like, oh, what's the bird's like? Well, it's a weird looking lump in the bed, and you're both like, oh god, oh fuck, I can't <laughs> see this. Oh, he looks like the worst thing. I, it's one of the most upsetting things I've ever fucking seen. And meanwhile, like, we don't know any of that no. watching the film yet. It's just the girlfriend, Mags, being like, hey, sleepyhead, how's it going? <laughs> and you're like, I can't even. And I'm like, this is probably going to be pretty bad. Whatever is about to and happen. And you see his totally normal human arm yep, coming comes out. Arm comes out. We that that you know what that got me because the two of you had like oversold how horrific it was going to be, and I'm like regular arm. So I'm like, oh, this must be like three minutes from now. Covers come back. I was like, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. <laughs> this is upsetting. Is breathing on his face, dude. His pale the, white milky. what an effect yeah what a special effect dude it's like we were i was saying um that bird and i had just recently watched american werewolf in london if you've never seen that they do a complete werewolf transformation a hundred percent as a practical effect is primarily done by i think rick baker hmm. it's one of the coolest practical effects ever done you see like like human face and you can see the snout like stretch the human face out and then split and wolf teeth come out it Looks yeah. awesome. All in one shot, a oh, lot of it. Well, there's there's like they cut around, but like yeah. every single thing, like like human hands, but then like a paw will emerge out. It's fucking unreal how good that looks. This is shorter than that, but yeah. every bit is good. The dude. eyelids are still developing, and like and- one eye is moving like a little bit, but the other eye is still stationary. It's cheeks, the forehead breathing. Like okay, if his cheeks were going in and out, I get that, but like skin around the eyes is bulging, and you're like. Uh. <laughs> And but there's also blinky little computer bits on the yes. inside, which is really fucking yes. cool. You can see like the network coming right. together. Right, dude, that fucking is cool. one of the coolest shots I've ever seen in a movie. I was, I, I knew that you guys were on a time crunch. We had an episode too, so I didn't want to rewind too much. But I was like, I can't wait to watch that again, like <laughs> yeah. promptly. Yeah. Oh, that was super good. Um, I like a lot of the. It's not no none of the aliens except for the navigator are really like. Well, I guess there are the. What are the stinky Zandazans? Bu- Zandazans. So the Zandazans and his navigator are like I would say Star Trek or Star Wars level makeup. Yeah. Everyone else is like pretty humanoid. They just have like I Masks love it. On. I love that like the default state of our good guys is just like 
balding retired history professor haircut. Yes. They're like, all right, we're going to give him like forehead butt. Yep. And a skullet. Yep. And that's what these people they are. They all have like white hair. <laughs> yes. It's it's a cool look and it's simple enough. It's kind of like um in Star Trek when you get like uh not not the Romulans. The what's that other? It might be the Romulans. The race that looks essentially human but they have like one oh, yeah. one ridge that's or the Romulans. Yeah. I always thought that was pretty clever for Star Trek, which is like, okay, we can differentiate them enough that they the will... Bajorans were sort of that way too, with just the nose appliance, just that little bit of extra. Yeah, where it's almost like they've got like, isn't the like the little ridges? Yep. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a cool way to be like aliens, and they're strange and they're weird, but they're almost like us, yeah. which is itself kind of a cool little um, like sci-fi trope, which shows you even though they're from another world and their culture is very different than ours. It's really when you think about it, it's really no different than like our culture as opposed to like the cult, you know, like pick pick any uh, oh, like plant of our planet. Yeah, like the yeah. the different culture, like the French are way different than we are. The Germans are oh, way yeah, different than the French. Than the Russians are. are way different than them. Just get into like now you go to Egypt or the Sudan or the Congo, like the native Congolese. That that's every bit as different as like right. here's Venusians, and I always thought that was cool because in Star Trek it feels like a way to sort of like knife. You know how like you can knife start a car if yeah yeah. So like it's almost like knife starting empathy. Well, it, well, that's one of Gene Roddenberry's whole reasons for doing Star Trek is to show how more similar we are than anything else and using aliens from another planet to show and prove that. Right, so. our differences really aren't. Things something that separates us. It's just like an, a way to add facets. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I, the, after the like bridge joke, just that tiny cough in my left ear. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, Carl and I are probably fatinging too much over yeah. here. <laughs> we tend to fatigue a lot on the show. Uh, we've got the gas pedal down, and they're just <laughs> talking about Star Trek. That's not at all well, what we're talking about. I need Sci-fi. to write down. What did you just say? Knife starting empathy. Like that's. That's a beautiful metaphor well, thank for you. what science fiction is doing. Thank you. Well, it, yeah. Knife starts empathy. It, knife starts empathy. <laughs> That's what you, those are the metaphors available to you when you grow up in a white trash neighborhood. <laughs> sure is. Well, when your empathy battery's gone dead, you know, you can just press it like any, like a buck knife right, <laughs> right onto the like alternator wheel. And then if you stick it over on the, the jump, the jumper plate, that jumper plate will arc and then you get a, you get the squirrel zap and then your car's fucking running. And you made a best friend from Venus. It works unless your lifters are taken. Well, actually, you got taken your lifter bucket. I'm. I resent you saying that because my Subaru Forester has just kind of developed a light lifter tick. Don't mention it. It'll just get worse the more we talk well, about it. Well, you're gonna crack your fucking piston Stop rod, talking. and then your head cranks are going to end up bloated. That usually happens once you get the once you get a. The, <laughs> Pro, prolapse fan belt. <laughs> you don't want a prolapse fan belt. <laughs> Tell you what, don't you drag it out your tailpipe. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, my fan belt's hanging out my fucking tailpipe. You get yourself a prolapse fan belt. <laughs> what do, how do I fix this? I never, I never thought that <laughs> I could Surgery. think of a car as being gross, but that's <laughs> gross. <laughs> oh um, my God. Is it like, can we, if we talk broad themes briefly? Yes. One of my favorite elements of this is how. There's the famous the hero's journey, you know, the big mm-hmm. wheel thing. We get some, but not all of the steps of that here, and I like that because 
Alex's, we don't ever see Alex's father, right? Nope, just his mom. We see his picture. That's right. Yes, mm-hmm. we see a we see a, a picture, and we see mom and younger brother, and then it's it's literally like, it's not the Luke Skywalker story. No, it's the like Gawain and the Sir Gawain and the Good Green Knight story, or the like any. It's it's the prototypical hero's journey. Go back to like ancient Greek mythology. Mm-hmm. It's that. I can see people going. I made the joke earlier. Well, they called it the Excalibur test. Was the Mm -hmm. original test for starfighters. So right, it's that. It's and I love too. It's that. It's almost like the clerks thing. I wasn't even supposed to be here today. One of the trope. One of my favorite tropes is like normal person plucked out of their everyday life into something, an adventure beyond their most fantastic dreams, and they. Don't believe in themselves. They believe and appear to be the least qualified person for the job. Frodo Baggins, Bilbo Baggins, perfect examples. But by the end of the adventure, you kind of come to realize that literally no one else could have pulled it off. And to grow up infused, because I didn't see this movie as a child, but I saw a million movies like this Mm -hmm. as a child. And the reason that watching this one strikes such a chord and I immediately add it to that pack of cards that I've got is that's a really appealing feeling to have as a human being that's something that i think has really been lost in our culture Mm -hmm. or maybe not lost but so widespread and so widely and deeply accepted that it's come back to bite us in the ass 40 years on right because when you're young like growing up reading neil gaiman comics or neil gaiman novels or any any grant morrison comic book where it's like yeah you're just you're just a some loser kid who's not doing well in school and you don't have any friends but one day you find a magic ring or one day you jump into a spaceship and you go to the stars or right. or whatever that call to adventure we all grew up reading that where it's like you know okay we, neil gaiman has this great comic where a kid gets bullied to death but he comes back as a ghost and as a ghost he makes friends and as making friends now he's off on an adventure and you're like wow talk about hope these authors are telling me as a youth that even if i die even if Every corporeal thing is taken away from me. I can still carve out a unique space because I'm special. Yeah. And now, in, now all these years later, as you get older and older, you either you either manage to internalize that in a way and live in kind of a cool. Now, normally, like a, I feel like Peter Pan existence is usually like a negative thing. You right. immediately think of like Michael Jackson molesting children, right. but also you can like you can retain a sense of like wonder and innocence and become one of those cool, interesting adults, or you can feel super, super cheated as an adult and right. get really bitter and cynical. Because I never got to go into a gun star and fight the. Or you're the people that kind of bypassed the humility and you're like, I'm the hero then, right? Like, right. Without having to doubt yourself or without having to. Without earning it. Without earning it. That you're just like, well, then I go from, I go from zero to hero because I don't, I don't need to like question whether I'm the last starfighter. Like I'm ready. Put me in the gunner chair. Right. Yeah. And there's also, yeah, exactly. Like the, uh, it, it's the, the best modern analog I can think of is people who think that they have solutions to problems without putting in any work to right. understanding mm-hmm. the problem. It's like, well, listen, man, I could fix that. All I need to do is get tapped in. Did you not see E.T.? Did you not see The Last Starfighter or The Goonies? I just need someone to pluck me out of the crowd and put me in the, in the hot seat, and I've got this licked. And now, with the advent of the internet, they get to just do that on social media. Yeah. 
where they're like, here's all the solutions to all of the problems. And they form huge conglomerates of people who all believe that they should have been the last starfighter. Right. So now we're all going to be the last starfighters as a group of 10,000. Well, the last starfighter is, is the, the one kid that starf- didn't yeah. think that he was. Right, exactly. right. It's Oh, it's such a... Catch twenty two. They skip. They skip the In having. In order to get to the turret, you gotta get through the fighters. But to get through the fighters, you gotta hit the turret. Same thing. Yeah. Everyone wants to be handed the ring by Gandalf and then to toss the ring into the into Mount Doom. Right. Right. No but one wants to do the three books the, yeah. in between the two events where it's like, and then you your friends die and you lose a family member and you go through what in the occult is called the Chapel Perilous or also is called the Long Dark Night of the Soul where you question everything and you have to face nihilism. Everyone wants to be Harry Potter but they don't want to have to fucking deal with yeah. all that like the last two books. It, exactly. It's like it's like I'm the boy who lived and I'm going to kill Voldemort and you're like, "Okay." Yeah. But what are you going to do when your friends die? I didn't read that part. I read the first couple of chapters, <laughs> yeah. and I read the end where it said, "I get." Remember to... how your surrogate father was brutally murdered? Yeah, and your actual parents, and your actual parent, yeah, and your actual parents, and your best friend's brother died, <laughs> and like, there's there's a lot of shit that goes into. It's actually the for me, it's it's the best part of any hero story is when the hero doesn't start out with the tools they need mm-hmm. to win. But develop the tools that they need to win. They don't even have like, the desire to be the hero either, mm-hmm. which is important. The, yeah, I think the I think the best stories, the stories that we end up talking about now, the the, 90, the 80s films that survive today, survive because they're movies about people failing but not quitting. Right. Like they fail upwards. They often don't. I think. I think they often fail downwards until they reach a a rock bottom moment yeah, and then yep. rather than once they've stripped away all of the like all these like sort of like soft dark bits to the fruit like self-doubt right. or like lack of experience or lack of knowledge or naivete like these are all things that our heroes have to lose before they can stand up straight and pull their shoulders back and face their problem head on because or you if, get gaslit <laughs> by greed <laughs> or in there, or in there. <laughs> oh yeah! Looks like if you don't do this, then everyone back home will laugh that you have a little penis. Uh, so, everyone oh God, I can't stand that. All right, let's turn this fucker around. And <laughs> you don't do this, everyone will die back home, including everyone. True you though. Love. But you know, coordinates are set to go home now. <laughs> yeah, no pressure. Oh, you want to stay now? Okay, good. What a what a remarkable I'm change glad, of event. I'm glad you made that decision for yourself without any influence by me or because anyone else in the space. For a second there, you were acting kind of. You were crazy. acting kind of crazy. <laughs> but no, I like I like a movie because look, if you're naive about the world, if you believe that everything is sunshine and rainbows, and you believe that you are special, then you still have your naivete strapped yeah. to you, and that will not serve you in the the like white hot forge of combat or white hot forge of emotional intensity if you don't right. want to take it to like a battle but you're most he- people don't want to be in a forge i know that's what i'm saying yeah, well that's exactly. what sarah's saying yeah. though is is everybody everybody wants to be at the end with like the wreath on their head and the trophy in their hand and, and the girl on their leg to be in the forge there's something Kinda deeply wrong with you wrong like right. if you're the one who's like, oh yeah, but I've I've got all my like weapons prepped and I'm ready to be in the battle and I'll sacrifice my family and I'll like, 
okay, then you maybe should stay home. Yeah. Right. Because you're a danger to yourself and others. This is actually another, like, common fantasy and sci-fi trope, which is, like... Everyone wants to be Jack Ryan, but they don't want to have to deal with, like, the whole family separation and what that actually means. They don't want the conscience. I would put that in it. This is something we've talked about before. Like, anyone who says, like, I wish I was John Wick. I wish I was John McClane. I wish I was, you know, like, Martin Riggs. And you're like... Uh, the first, Do you though? Yeah, first time we see Martin Riggs, like 15 minutes after meeting Putting him, he's got a, a gun in, in his, his mouth. mouth. Yeah, John McClane is divorced and never sees his kids or his wife and is constantly severely physically injured. John Wick has no wife, lost the only thing that mattered to him, his dog, and then embarked on a completely sociopathic, like, killing spree. You want to be a mass shooter? Is that what you're telling me? Well, no, I want to wear, like, a black suit and drive a nice car. Well, you want to be a banker or a fucking lawyer. You don't yeah. want to be John Wick. You know, yeah. it's it's... That people who who lack that like total perspective and just see the screen and only yeah. see the cool events like the reality of being John McClane is not just like a gruff voice in a cigarette or even know? like Iron Man. Would you really want to be Tony Stark? Right. No. no, dude. Tony Stark probably wakes up every night screaming, thinking of the tens of thousands of like innocent people who've been killed with his weapons that his company's manufactured mm-hmm. for his entire life. He was a merchant of death. For the entire yeah. first two acts of his life, and now he's got one third of his life left to try and right those wrongs. It's wild, man. The weight of that is something that no nobody really no. sits with. We were, I think, I think there were too many movies like this not done as well as this one. Last Starfighter, mm. yeah, yeah, Last Starfighter, right? Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot. There's there were too many movies that told too many people that they were going to be more than they were. Suddenly and without any effort on their part, it, I love the trope of "I'm just stuck in a dead end town." Whoa, sucked into a crazy adventure. But how many people sit in a dead end town waiting for the adventure to fly by and grab them, and it never does? Right. That could probably lead to a whole lot of bitter porch sitting. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, well, the star card never pulls up for you. Right? Yeah. If the star, yeah. maybe, and then there's a certain point where you start to wonder if maybe you weren't as exceptional as you thought you were, and then you get really mean. Now you turn now you turn into one of these NPCs that's in the back of these action movies. Yeah. Now you beat your kids and fuck your dog or whatever. I that I mean I I maybe in my movie they do. <laughs> no one's going to come see my movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, of the of the million things that could happen when your you know some of your your like childhood dreams don't pan out, I suppose that is a technically one of the possible <laughs> outcomes. I'll grant you that. Doesn't feel, I'm sure doesn't one feel good. No, not at all. I'm sure one person watched like I'm not know. gonna green light this project. <laughs> yeah. I know you wanted to do it. Me? But I think it's wrong. I don't think we should green light that project. Uh, hmm. This is gaslighting. Where I learned coming? it from watching Greg. <laughs> yeah, your idea to go home is a good one. <laughs> but <laughs> But Let and me see that picture of your family again? Yeah. Mm, they're going to burn real nice and slow. Anyway, have right. that back. Yeah, your girlfriend will make a great slave for this alien race that's going to come and conquer your planet. Better get back to her before that, though, because they'll probably separate the You'll two of you. You'll probably have a couple good years. Don't whatever. worry about a thing. It's fine that you're going home. It's all good. It's all good. Your mom will be killed, though. She's too old <laughs> to be useful, really. Oh, you don't want to go home. <laughs> Maybe there is a starfighter left. I uh, I guess I'm feeling that wave of bravery. Oh god, I'm throw up. <laughs> You're gonna puke. You're gonna puke. <laughs> All right. Well, there's a paper bag, Alex. I think you've made the right decision. Now let's get you up into the stars, buddy. That's reserved for Blossom Barf, though, because that thing whips around pretty fucking quick. Did you like the salt and pepper shaker back on Earth? No, nauseous constantly. 
Yeah, go ahead and hit that blossom button. He just pulls his fucking his five point harness like, on. Yeah, go ahead, Alex. Anytime. Not yet. Hold on, buddy. Click. All right, go for it. Why are you doing that, Greg? You seem breathing really heavy. No, I'm good, dude. He's hicking back there. Like, hick. Yeah, he's doing. <laughs> Jet fighter breathing. Jet fighter breathing. Yeah. So what? What? what, what? Greg, are you having a baby back there? What's this button? <laughs> Dude, the death blossom spin is the coolest. I was still fucking there for it. I'm like, yeah. first of all, that weapon, utterly ridiculous. Yes, yeah, totally stupid. Because, <laughs> like, why spin the ship around when you could just be like, all the panels? Yeah, just how about you? We have already seen rockets that shoot forward, crisscross, figure eight, d- sign your name, and then fly yeah. backwards. You <laughs> Will know? you marry me, Janet? And then they go. Yeah, exactly. Like, ah, oh, I fired the proposal missiles. My bad. They still explode, though. So. <laughs> Greg's like, I, I don't worry about that, Alex. I programmed that in. My girlfriend was killed in the attack on the base. I wish you'd been there. But yeah, she's obviously not going to say, yeah, she's dead. So it's cool that we killed four people with us instead. <laughs> Those rockets got used for not love, but death. Really, it's kind of a philosophical moment. But we're in the heat of combat. I'll let you get back to it. But that's what that was going on there. They cut that out. They it did was cut in the, that out. The documentary, the effect was too expensive. Well, yeah. It looked silly to have a rocket spelling. And it's in cursive. What is the translator fixing? It clearly would be written in an alien language, so they just nixed that scene. Because we can hear English, but we can't read Krypton. Although oh, there that's is a- what the thing is for. Oh, he reads... Well, oh, there, there actually is now. a song in here where one of the lyrics is, I see things I never heard before. Well, that's true. <laughs> so actually, hmm. <laughs> this non-existent scene that never really happened kind of makes sense in the context of the film. See, this is how QAnon got started. Oh, <laughs> It's like probably close to the now. Truth. Okay, now that never did happen, but if it did happen, if it was real, I could totally see how it links up with this thing. So it must be true. No, no, wait, hold on, stop. You just said that. You said that that wasn't real, though. But if it was, you could explain it with this, this, and this. If it wasn't, though, right? I don't know, dude. I think you're one of them pedophiles. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how that all got rolling. Oh wow. It all comes back to Spielberg eventually. Eventually, eventually. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. Where, what? There's so much fucking good shit in this. Yes, all the beta unit stuff is great. I do. What did you think? The do you think the beginning of the film? Do mm-hmm. you how? What do you how do you feel about the pacing? Do we get? Uh, I feel like we get up in space quick enough. We I, get up in space real fast. And in fact, the beginning of this movie is one of my favorite fifteen minutes of any film. Because it feels like we grew up in Big Rapids, which is not like we never like lived in a trailer. We always lived in neighborhoods, so we're not familiar with that environment. Sure, it's in California. the uh, The exteriors look not completely Rapids, different from what we look from. Yeah, yeah. yeah the yeah. movie's in California. Sure. We're in Michigan, so nothing looks familiar to us. But it is completely familiar to us. The waking up in the morning, families bickering, the whole bit of business with everyone. They're talking about different she's gonna miss her soaps and it's just the way that whole thing is constructed and the alex going up and talking to his friends with the pickup truck it just all feels familiar yeah in in some sort of way it's like that the it's what spielberg does so well is that like generating that 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 sense of home and like et is a perfect example of that spielberg i think of two i think of spielberg and i think of tim burton early tim burton not late like think like ed wood um edward scissorhands but more so the spielberg thing which is like even though we're kind of being shown this is alex's banal life Mm mm-hmm 
um, we still get like interesting things to look at, like yeah. in Close Encounters of the First Kind. E- even third the kind. third kind. No, I, I was talking about Spielberg's first draft of the oh, film. Oh, was the first Close kind. Encounters of the first kind, where the aliens just like do a flyby and they're like, well, because first kind you know, is lights in the sky and thinking you see something. Right. Second, uh, second kind is 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 um, evidence that they were there. Burn marks. Yes. Cornfields. Third, Third kind, kind is, is when you ab- meet them. Yes, you meet them in abduction. The fourth yes. kind is a movie that came out recently. Birth them. You have, you have sex an alien. with them. Sex with an alien is you the fourth kind? You have an alien. How do you have an alien without having a sex with you an alien? You had that first with the third kind. The th- oh, I see. Then the fourth kind <laughs> is you had one. You had one yourself. So this is, okay, all right. That's fair. I don't know. Where are we? So there's a whole sure. arc yes. of Thank like day daytime in space too, where you're waking <laughs> yeah, up. That's right. Thank you, Sarah. Otis I appreciate is getting it. his shit together. It's going to be a sparkling day. The dog is waking up. The cat's coming out of the mailbox. You have all these. The like, dog's rolling off the step yeah, onto right. its feet. Oh my god, I love the sleeping right. dog. That's such a good shot. Uh, and then there's a lot of things that happen in midday whether you're on Rylos or Earth, and then he comes back at night in his spaceship under cover of darkness to go and take Maggie back home. So you have kind right. of like an overarching dawn to dusk. The mm-hmm. film starts at dawn, and it kind mm-hmm. of ends at midnight in a yeah. way. Yeah. On the, on the whole. He, do we see really what happens on Earth? after? I mean, so he goes away. We get all the beta unit stuff. Mm-hmm. So like day and night happen there. But you're right. I like that the movie is bookended with like, Dawn, you know, like days begins and then it ends with like night skies. They fly away. Mm-hmm. That's kind of nice. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be a sparkling day, dude. I like that. I there was something cool about. I like I like the kind of like U five seven one. No, not U five seven one. Um, the like K nineteen follow shot. Yeah, where we like wake up and it's like my power's out. Tell someone else. We follow that person for a mm-hmm. second. Now we see Alex coming back the or not Alex, but Maggie. we see. Yeah, Maggie coming back the other way. Now we follow her around. So we get introduced. And then we follow Lewis. And then to Lewis. The... Get, yeah. Yeah. So we get, not only get to see the neighborhood, but we also get to see, like, this is what Maggie's up to. Lewis is up to, like, it's like that Stranger Things thing where, like, the adults are doing, like, conspiracy, like, par- right. paranoid film. But the kids are all in, like, you know, the Goonies. We get to see Lewis, like, run around and do his Lewis thing. And he finds Alex and he's, like bothering the shit out of Alex and now we've met Alex and we see the last Starfighter video game within like the last the first what three minutes of the movie mm-hmm. uh, within five yeah mm-hmm. easy so we get we get that I, I okay when he gets to like close to setting the record I was certain that what was going to happen was oh he tries he's almost there he's almost there oh and he didn't make it he got he died at like 990,000 or whatever and then in the middle of the night he comes back alone Mm. Beats the record He's like I did it myself You know Right Like everyone's crowded around him And they're all disappointed And it would be like a Sort of like a uh, uh, Like a reprise of the scene Where he goes to get the mail But there's nothing there You know And oh everyone's all like Oh yeah Alex You tried buddy You're never gonna be anything You're a loser Alex And then he comes back at midnight Sets the record And then just gets beamed up to space That's right. what I thought was gonna happen But this handling is so much better Because the town gets to see him succeed mm-hmm. And in a weird way how excited they all are that he got the high score uh, on the video, video game <laughs> outside the diner. It says tells, a lot. It tells you everything you need to know about the town. It's funny, but it also engages you and you get amped up. You get sucked yep. into their mob mentality. You're like, they're like, North Korea launched a new... Shut the fuck up, dude. You're going to distract Alex. He's at 980,000. <laughs> Reagan just declared war yeah. on the Soviet Union. <laughs> exactly. It's like, oh God, the Bay of Pigs has happened again. And they're like, would you... Get him out of here. But it's command ship. Yeah. Command exactly. ship. 
But no, yeah. So that that's really cool because you get involved in it. You've learned that like if that is the high point of action in this town, Alex has got to get out of this. Yep. Well, and they care so much about Alex. Like you can tell these they little old him. ladies that Alex comes and patches their fuse panels. Right. And Alex, like they can always count on Alex. Good. He's like everybody's nephew, everybody's mm-hmm. son, everybody. Like so. Yeah, their excitement is is earned yes warranted. i think so yeah you know the the old people being supportive of alex like you can tell that the trailer park wants him to succeed and get out his friends are busting balls and being shitty because that's kind of what stuck it's what high schoolers do they're the crabs in the bucket man they don't want someone to get up and out you know i having where i grew up in the up was very small there were 400 people in the whole town yeah. i graduated with 11 people 12 people some of them didn't really graduate they got <laughs> just pieces of paper that were blank but I Fair. there were 12, about 12 people on the stage. Like, that's where I come from. And this is totally a thing where it's like, you got a bunch of scholarships. You're going to go to a college and get a real job. What a fucking loser. And you're like, what was your plan? <laughs> What's? Yeah. Well, I'm going to stay here and not go to college and not get a job. I got a job. No, I've got the job. My cousin said I can work at his repair shop. Actually, where I'm from, it's a quarry. Yeah, There's a big shit. fucking quarry there And to be fair you make a lot of money if you work at the yeah, quarry right? But that you're working at a quarry But like that was legit like big Bunch of the plant they're like I'm like I'm gonna go And be a writer and make films and they're like Forward loser You're yeah. a stupid person and you're Everyone like Beat you up yeah exactly <laughs> Well no I don't everyone was pretty chill because my dad was the oh, Math right, teacher yeah. yeah so like he would he'd give you all the hard problems If you fucked with me right. or my brother No one fucked with Sam Sam was like 7 feet tall when he was 10 yeah. So that was that. But but yeah, that was t- that was that really was a thing where it's like you want to go and do something. Sorry, that was a fart. That <laughs> the first one was me being whenever whenever I get around anyone with a bit of gumption, I get tooty. I get nervous around ambition. So that first one, <laughs> that first one was me scoffing at your dreams, but that second one, that was a that was nervous belly. <laughs> I am sorry about that. That was rude. <laughs> you know, like but no, I, I thought that was cool that at the end we see Alex being like, all right, I'm off to go. Like, it's, it's just there. Everyone treats it like he was like, I went to New York and I became a stockbroker. And they're like, that's just great, Alex. Now yeah. you get back in your spaceship and you go and broke them <laughs> stocks. Yeah. And he's like, Mags, come with me. Come with me to New York. To She's Dowder's. like, can I have a minute? Can yeah. I have a minute with this new news? That was a totally <laughs> fair point. You're like, maybe sleep on it, like one night. Because his his option's like, now do you want to stay here or do you want to go to space? <laughs> now you have Clock 30, is ticking 30 seconds. Radar. On a whole other planet. <laughs> There's a totally other planet. I can fill you in on it, but where we're going is recovering from centuries of war. Yes. <laughs> She's just like, hold on, but wait. You said you went to space. He's like, you're going to have to go faster than that. Like, that was the first thing I said. I thought you said we'd always be together, Maggie. Yeah. Way to put it on her. Yeah. Like, we come on. We had that moment where I said we'll be together forever. You You didn't acknowledge acknowledge that. that. You let it pass without it saying anything. And then I kissed you and went inside assured that our future was set. And it seems to me that you're you and I were not on the same page. And she's like, yeah. That's true. He learned to gaslight from the best. <laughs> He's like, yeah, well, I guess if you don't want to come to space with me, Mags, then how can I be sure that that alien race won't come back? And is that your little brother over there? He'll make a great slave, but your mom's too old. She'll be 
dead. Turns up to Greed, gives him the wink. He's <laughs> like, I'm proud of you. He goes, huh? Yeah, dude, come to you. Just gives him a little. Interstellar. Standing next to him, a little chalk on the shoulder, like, that's my boy. <laughs> now tell her she's been acting kind of crazy. And you've been <laughs> acting kind of crazy. You've been acting kind of crazy, Max. And she's like, have I? I feel so unmoored. I guess I will go to space with you, you know? <laughs> last gaslighter. That was, that was a joke. bird joke. We got to give Bird credit because the, ga- yeah. the last gaslighter was one of the funniest fucking things I've heard in weeks. But no, so okay, yes, he should have given Mags at- twenty-four hours. I would, I would have said twelve, because like okay, the radar is fucked up. We're gonna zoom just outside of radar range. We'll be back in twelve go hours. Go to the dark side of the moon, hang out, have a cheeseburger. Yeah, zip on back. We home. can't go to the dark side of the moon. That's where the Nazi base is. Have you never seen Iron Sky? Oh yeah, that's you're right. Yeah, dude. God, there's all the Nazis on the dark well, side of the moon. But they could take care of that. They have a death blossom. That is well. They that drained all their. Uh, do uh, they? But they still have a couple fangs left. I think. Yeah, if they just went and got the fatang stick, then everything. But no, they should have definitely given Mags more time. Yeah. But I love that when Mags is like, "I can't leave Grandma, I can't leave the trailer park," and Alex is like, "Really?" <laughs> you know, you can almost see in his face he's like, "Listen to yourself, Mags. You just said I'm saying let's go into the lifetime of adventure in outer space." You said, I'm afraid to leave the trailer park. What about Granny? Fuck Granny. So We've got 80 like years to be alive. That's not going to work. I mean, they are literal and figurative worlds apart. Yes. Yeah. Like, Maggie actually really wants to go in the truck to Silver Lake and yeah. fuck yep. 20 feet away from her friends. Yeah. And she wants, she kind of wants to, you can see, you can see her being like, and we'll, our trailer will be right over there at the I end of the rest yeah, of the Yeah, when she walks so, through yeah. in the beginning, oh, can't wait, Miss Boone, catch yourself yep. a big one. Do you have that picnic basket yeah, I can borrow? Like, she is owning she's the trailer park. This is and her, I don't think that there's a problem with that. Nor do I. I, I love Maggie. This I is her community. Her. Yeah, this is, this, these are her people. And like, it, it was that moment when that guy comes out and he's like, what does he say? What a pleasant day. What a sparkling, sparkling day. day. Mm. Guy comes out, pets the dog. What a sparkling day. And then you kind of like track over this trailer park. And I was looking at it and I was like. Everyone's happy. Yeah. You know, like it, it, your knee jerk reaction just being like, you know, trailer park 1984. You're like, all right, I'm going to be we're, we're going to be in a rough neighborhood where everyone's going to be shitty. Then you see it and you're it's like, one big family. Yeah, man. And like that guy's that guy's attitude was so uplifting to me because it's like, okay, look, if you wake up and you're if you're Martin Riggs or if you're this guy, you wake up, your life is in a trailer in a trailer park, and what you do is you put, you know, aerial antennas back on the roofs of trailers. If you're happy when you wake up and you're just taken with the beauty of every day and you've got what you need, then you're set. Yeah. Like, who gives a fuck? This dude wakes up and he's like. Hey there, four walls. Hey there, dog. Hey, it was a sparkling day. Look at my community in my neighborhood. And you're like, Elon Musk just became a trillionaire, and this dude is happier than him. <laughs> yeah. For fucking sure. You know, like, that is, that's been my, my little pet. Well, so how was Maggie, grind. how was Maggie's first night on Rylos? Yeah, right? It's like, like I made a bad choice. Yeah, she's, she's like, like, like trying do to I have sleep, to cut my hair like that? Trying to yeah. sleep. No, no. Well, just so we blend in, you know, she goes full like the Grinch, just oh, the reverse no. mohawk. But like, can you imagine her trying to sleep in like the cramped, cold quarters of like this spaceship? That's uh, you're like, oh, the batteries are failing after we just won a war. And she's like, oh god, outside this is the void. If a single Some crack- refugee camp on the outskirts of Rylos that hasn't been like, she's probably out never yet. even been to like 
a big city out of the trailer park yeah and now she's in rylos and like there's no lakes and forests for you to go camping on your little campfire like all the things that were valuable to her in her life are gone gone. except for her sense of community her yeah the familiarity her like her planned life trajectory so yes all of the things that she personally valued have vanished but also alex got what he wanted you know which matters it's weird though because I I can see the <laughs> That's end. That's a joke. I can see. Okay, I know. I know. Sarcasm for sure. I can see the end of this movie going two ways. One, we could read it totally as like, oh, so it's 1984, and uh, the woman is expected to give up literally everything to fulfill the romantic desires of her male companion. Right. That is a total Hollywood trope, which yeah. is like I there we Bert and I just watched one called Bell Book and Candle. Where it's like, I want to have a career, and I want to, I don't know, I want to go and travel, I want to see things. And she's a witch. Like, this character is like a practicing witch, right? And at the end of the movie, Carrie, I think it's Carrie Grant, actually, comes over to her and is basically like, but listen, I don't want you to travel the world or be a witch or work a job. What I want you to do is be married to me and have children. And she's like, that probably would make me, like, way happier. So she does. That's how the movie ends, and they the way they play it at the end of the movie with the score and the bells, and they kiss each other, and the it's snow like is the falling. Happy end. Yeah, they're like, "Oh, good, everything turned out all right." That's the tone they set, where they're like, "She's like, I won't have any ambition other than to be a, a breeding a livestock for your children, male cohort." Kiss, 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 and they're like, and they all lived happily ever after. And you're watching the movie, and you're like. That was fucked up. <laughs> the movie's great but up until that moment where it's, you know, we get some of it with Mad Mad World too, where she's like, I'm a great auto mechanic. And he's like, But I'd rather you be like my woman. And she's like, Very I'll be well. Your woman then. Yeah. What are you fucking talking about? It'd be, you know, I like if Pretty Woman ended with Julia Roberts being like, I had a great week. You owe yep. me $10,000. <laughs> I actually have a guy coming. Like, yeah. you have to leave now. We're doing butt stuff. So yeah, you the might time. want to be around. The time's. It. Our time's done. He's like, but I want to save you from all this. And she's like, no, I'm. I love what I do. Yeah, I'm though. a sex worker. I just made ten thousand dollars in one week with you. And you bought me a bunch of extra shit. What are you offering me again? Well, like marriage and shit. <laughs> ten thousand dollars in <laughs> one week in this economy, you know? Like, I don't know. But the other way that I I kind of looked at it was this: Alex wanted out of here, and he's like, I gotta I gotta get out of here. And yeah, I gotta get out of here. So someone came by and plucked him out of his like banal existence, and he got to go live this cool, adventurous, out there lifestyle that he otherwise wouldn't have had access to. And I know this is like a actually, I don't think the film even bears this reading, but I can also see the like she's stuck there. She is also someone with potential, but she's sort of like stuck in a rut. And and I think it is important that they define that the thing that's keeping her there is fear. She's like, I'm a. She does admit it. She's like, I'm afraid to leave the trailer park. I don't want to leave grandma. I'm afraid to leave the trailer park. And he's like, Well, how about this? Jump in my spaceship. You could not possibly be more out of the trailer park if you do this. This is, this is, Alex has become her fate in a way. Fate swings by and snags Alex and gives him his adventure. Alex swings down and is like, 
yeah, but it is really like I'm yeah, gonna save is. you from yeah. this. Well, life but and also the thing is like she was never portrayed as not fitting in quite well with her life. Right. Like Alex right. is looking at the mail every day. He's gonna yeah, I don't need to go to the lake. I'm gonna I'm gonna just stay here and patch fuse panels right. and shit. That's what I do. Like oh my life is a burden. Well, she's when she's more, just kind right? of like dude, laugh and lean back and we're with our friends and we're going to the lake. That's what we do. We go. Their to friends the lake. do suck. Though. Yeah, the Clearly. friends are terrible. That's, I mean, there is one thing where you got to be like, listen, Mags, you have a blind spot here. Yeah. You have one blind spot. Your friends shitty. fucking suck. <laughs> like, your grandma seems kind of shitty, too, honestly. Like, who is that I don't recognize? <laughs> Pulls the shotgun on. You're like, I guess it is like a small community. <laughs> you know? And Gran's the only one that has a weapon, apparently. Yeah. Well, maybe everyone else is strapped, but Gran pulls the piece first. Right. And starts immediately flagging well, all of her she's neighbors. She's seen some shit. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, Gran was in the war. <laughs> but no. <laughs> no, yeah, you know, as the, I was like trying to find a way that the end of where the end of this movie feels right to me, but I think you're right, Sarah. Like t- truly, Mag what needs to happen is Mags and and uh, Alex need to realize that they have grown apart. They want different things out of life now, and they need to like acknowledge their fun time together. And he then gives he... her communo crystals and says, if you "Yeah, ever there you your go. Mind. The communo crystals could have come back. Yep. That, yeah, that's that would have been great. That's that's a perfect. If you ever like, change your mind, give them a little time. Like, if you're ready, let me know. That's the perfect not that Hollywood been a perfect ending. bullshit ending. That actually sets up a sequel even better. Yes, mm-hmm. it does. Because it doesn't. This movie, I you kept saying you got like Maggie on Earth. You got Zur somewhere. So I, I don't I know you say there was a sequel planned. Yeah, for it's sure. It's been shopped as recently as a couple of years ago too. This movie didn't feel like it was setting up a sequel to me. This movie felt like it was tying a bow and leaving an opening for the audience's imagination. Sure. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, okay, Alex got the girl. They went back to space. The evil empire was destroyed, but one little seed of evil has survived that might eventually regrow into a new thing. So Alex isn't going to go and like just live quietly on a planet. Right. He'll there'll still be adventures, and those are for you to make in but your that's dreams for another day. Like that exactly, and then like roll, roll credits. I don't need a sequel because now I'm like, oh, I can imagine that Alex is going, and in my head I can be like, okay, maybe Mags wasn't into it, and she goes back to the trailer park, and then like adult Alex comes back in like his 30s or 40s or whatever and blah 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 but I don't need to see any of that the movie gave me enough of an open ending where I can just be like and they lived right maybe (laughs) that's and that's all I really want too. like they lived happily ever after is such a boring ending because it's like they've lived all these pinnacle experiences they've redefined who they are as humans they've grown immensely and then nothing ever happened to them ever again that's a shitty way to end anything you don't ever want to live happily ever after it's always like then that weird, crazy, fucked thing that happened to them ended. And like six months went by, but they live a pretty weird life. So some more shit happened. Right. That's how I want everything to end. It's just like, and maybe that time, maybe they didn't make it out. And you're like, right. oh, God. Because it you know, makes the world real. Um, that's pretty much all I have for Last Starfighter. Same. I don't have much more. That was wild all over the place, but I had, I had no notes. It and I had a heart full of nostalgia and love. Consistently. As my, you know, my top five tends to fluctuate. This is my favorite movie. Number one. I can, I can completely see that. Yeah. 
I like I said, I need to watch this like many more times, but this to me will probably end up in the same drawer of films as Raiders of the Lost Ark, oh, yeah. Goonies, E.T. Mm-hmm. All of that. This Lives is that very comfortably on that shelf. Mm-hmm. This is a this is a beautiful eighties nostalgia film, and it is one of the best examples of that genre, subgenre mm-hmm. that I've ever seen. I love it. Awesome. Totally love awesome. it. Awesome. It's Christmas came early for me. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> and I believe our next main season episode, Sarah will be returning for yes. in a kind of different direction. Um let's let's tell them the next movie that we're all gonna get together and talk about, Carl. Singing in the rain. Oh yeah, god, dude. I'm gonna cry. I know, me I'm too. Cry so hard. We're... This is Dora Bailey. So singing oh. in the rain, and this another is the reason why seen. I want to bring it to the show is one. It's another Rudy that Sarah and I share. Define um, that term for new listeners. Yeah, really so quick. a Rudy is uh, movies that Sarah and I grew up with that sort of define. They're the roots of who we are. Sure. They like, sort of help to define us as human beings. Right. We call them Rudies. Singing in the rain is a very important one of those, and it's important. Is also so not only did I want to do that show because of that that movie because of that, but sure. also because singing in the rain. For a movie podcast, is super important to look at because it's about a very historic moment in filmmaking where talkies were just starting to become a thing and the problems that studios had with with that whole new technology. That's what the film is about. Yes. I've never I've never seen it and I literally know nothing about it except yeah. I think Fred Astaire is in it. Yep. Gene Kelly. Gene Kelly. Gene Kelly. So the okay. basic basic premise: you're in the early like silent film era. The jazz singer comes out. It's a talking picture. All the studios are like, holy shit, that technology we're poo-pooing works. The jazz singer, biggest thing that's ever happened. We need to retrofit these studios now to be sound. But it's all these silent film actors that have very exaggerated ways to speak. Very. It's ooh. basically the artist in Technicolor with lots of song and dance. Is the artist the silent black and white film? Mm-hmm. Yes. I did not see it, but yeah. it ooh. is on my Double radar. Feature. Double is that feature. that's it's really good eh yeah yeah okay yeah so thank you so much listener for for hanging out with us in a yeah. in a weird like sister cousin film to the halloween films with nick cave's the last starfighter nick castles nick castle nick cave is he a, lives in a cave above ground that never went anywhere nick castle's playing a telecaster somewhere nick cave is killing a teenager <laughs> he's probably making a wow. brilliant film it's amazing but yeah nick castles uh the last starfighter 1984 is fucking amazing definitely watch it i agree with carl this is definitely one to buy if yes. you like if any of this sounded cool to you buy it buy it in the best quality you can and get as many special features as yes, you possibly it's can. important it's such a cool era in filmmaking thanks to our patrons drop us a line at measuring podcast at gmail.com if you have any thoughts and stay tuned because we're getting into the talkies next week with uh with singing in the rain i can't wait to walk a wall baby